Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to our first year of Trends and Friends. We appreciate you staying with us as we wade through the markets and our own old person technical difficulties. We find it charming. Sorry for the inconveniences. We put together a highlight reel of the best moments from this last year. No lowlights, all highlights. We frequently talked about the bull market and stocks and crypto, the seasonality, finding undervalued stocks with high relative strength and on stocks with low social followings, the degeneracy trend, the luxury trend, and the longevity trend. In case you missed some previous episodes, these best moments should catch you up to speed on what we do. If this is the first you're seeing Trends with Friends, we hope you enjoy and tune into next week's episode. As always, be sure to subscribe to my blog at howardlinzen.com. That's L-I-N-D-Z-O-N, howardlinzen.com. And subscribe to our YouTube channel at the same, Howard Linzen. Happy holidays, and here's to a happy and healthy 2024. I'm in the arena. I'm pedaling. Linsen is our special friend. We let him hang out. Pedaling in the arena. <laughs> pedaling in the arena. First of all, how's my sound? I almost feel like I have things Jerry rigged after 40 episodes. Howard Linsen, technology investor. Check, tech okay, entrepreneur. We can still hear him. <laughs> charts. This shows way too much about Jason. Fun charts. Listen, Howard, you gotta, you gotta give, you, you gotta give the people what they want. Howard, you see this fool? Look at this fool. You look ridiculous. I like how Lindsay, I like how Lindsay is on mute. Give me 50 grand and I got a better idea for how much are you putting in that turd of a Vancouver thing? He took clothes that don't fit him. That's, that's an, that's a perfect crime. You got robbed in the hospital. I got it robbed is, in a hospital. That's a great crime. It's just more fun when the market's good, boys. I think it always works best if we let JC just, Bill, if you're okay with this, just walk us through the market. Let's go. So if you're getting that weaker dollar, you're getting lower interest rates or at least stable interest rates. I think it's good for tech. I think it's good for Bitcoin. I think it's good for gold. Um, I think it's good for bonds, obviously. I think that's the trade and that's been working. So I think it, I think this really is a bond thing. And, and if, if bonds are, you know, continuing to get bid, right, and, and rates keep coming off, I think that benefits all of those things. Uh, so that's that's what I would be watching. And this is where JC is probably right and where you, you don't have to be early, but this is why the NDX may be bottoming, right? You have this perfect confluence of, of degeneracy and machines and free time and seclusion, right? I call it the degenerate economy. Okay, and we can throw a Zempic in there. We can throw DraftKings in there. We can throw MGM bets in there. We can throw Robinhood in there. We can throw... Uh, and our job here is at Trends with Friends is to talk about this, right? Like there's choices. So here's my question. Which one makes an all-time high first? Because eventually we're going to have all-time highs again, right? I mean, the markets just over a long period of time go up. Which one makes the all-time high first? It's a great, it's a great question. Does it I matter? Think, uh, we're not in the prediction. Um, I think that I think fun. it would be I think it would be a healthier uh, I think it would be healthier for the market if the Dow Jones Industrial Average and we got some of that rotation because what you're seeing here is that you know you're seeing the Russell 2000 small caps down near last summer's lows, financials down near last summer's lows, industrials not making new all-time highs. Like I I, I, I if if rotation's going to come, if this is a bull market, if we're going to get a, an expansion in the new highs list, which we're not 
right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it needs to come from the others. So I think it's healthier for the overall market if yeah. it's not the NASDAQ. But if they happen with a few weeks from each other, a few months from each other, it's it's not a big deal, um, right? In fact, you know, if, they, if they're all making new all-time highs at the same time, you know, that would be bullish. And what we're seeing in Europe and in Japan and some other areas is we're already seeing that strength. And if you start to see the new all-time highs list continue to expand one after the other after the other, eventually the indexes will follow. So yeah. think about it as a sum of the parts. Think about the components. Yeah. And what's amazing too, Casey, is we've known this because we've been trading long enough. It's not like we've been in the first rodeo here. The three of us have been through a few cycles. Phil, more than most of us just look. Um, but uh, but shout out to Phil. Like that's a bold, that's a bold t-shirt at your age to be able to wear that and not have saggy boobs. Notice that I I'm, think the I'm cue, I think the cues are first. Oh, cues are first. And here's why I'm with you, Phil. That's is, my call. A big call. I'm with you. I just I I'm but I'm I'm kind of hoping for JC's idea because I don't think it's healthy, even though it's great, these are great companies. It's top, the two things can be true quickly. Top heavy, this market is top heavy, yep. but there's a reason it's top heavy. These aren't fake companies. These companies, if you own the top seven companies in the world right now, Apple, Tesla, Google, you are so diversified. You are so diversified globally and via profits that owning a DraftKings almost makes no sense because it's not profitable. Or owning Coinbase or owning anything or owning McDonald's even. Owning these seven companies, yeah, so you don't own food, basically. And food's the shittiest low margin business anyways. But owning these companies is makes sense now granted that could be the top but this is a different digital era and even though history repeats if you own the biggest companies this time you own a bananas amount of cash flow profits and global diversification and that's why it's working like it isn't broken coinbase is down good finance is down good but bitcoin bounced back like Bitcoin was fine. Um, government can't really close Bitcoin to come after them. No, there's enough just locked away that obviously, like I said, based on FTX and all this news, the fact that it's, you know, 100% off its lows um, is, it's, yeah, I don't know if it's impressive or not impressive, but it just is. Behaviorally, Phil, what, do you, like, what, what should people expect? So, so there's a couple of things. Number one, we are all myopic. We're all looking at very short term. So if the government or Gensler or whatever is saying some bad things or whatever, everybody gets obsessed with that in a very, very myopic short term point of view. Nobody's able to see. And so with Bitcoin anyway, and I can't speak, I mean, Bitcoin's complicated enough. I'm not going to speak to any of the other you know, shit coins or NFTs or whatever. But with Bitcoin, the people, you know, the 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 thesis is a visionary thesis. It's a very long-term point of view. You can't print more Bitcoin. It's a finite currency. You can always print more dollars. And so, you know, the guys, like what you were saying, the rich guys who are holding it, the sailors of the world, they're in. They're in for the long-term and they're not thinking about these speed bumps along the way. So I think that it's very difficult for the average schmo to not get all caught up in the news cycle and what did Gensler say and everything. But I think if your thesis is that long-term macro fundamental thesis, you don't care about Gensler. That's one thing. Number two, 
I just want to point out that um, that Bitcoin has been incredibly resilient price-wise. And so, you know, we're all students of price here. And mm -hmm. if you are looking at resilience, how does something bounce back? How does something hang in there? I mean, this, this has had everything thrown at it that you could have thrown at it since yeah. FTX, even before FTX price started coming in, right? Since it hit 60, had another crash, whatever. I don't even remember where the bottom was, whether it was like 17 or 14 or 13 or whatever, but it's come back. And so it's still in the, even with so much getting thrown at it, it's in the twenties. And if you're, if you, if you're playing the long game, again, here's what you do. You turn off the news, you turn off the, you know, the social media news noise feed, you find somebody you enjoy spending time with and you go for a walk. You forget about all this nonsense. You have no one. Shout out to the little schmo, by the way. But uh, I, think you, I think you're assuming too much. We're all going to have on Apple glasses and no one's going to have anybody to walk with. The first thing that stocks need to do before they could start to go up is to stop going down, right? Mm -hmm. Like that, it, it sounds like common sense, but like I, I can't begin to tell you like how many humans like don't actually remember that part and stocks stopped going down in June. You know, the S&P 500 continues to make new 52-week highs. You know, one thing that you see in a lot of bull markets, you see a lot of new 52-week highs. You're getting the most amount of new 52-week highs in the S&P 500 in over a year. So not only are you seeing, you're, you're seeing the most amount of new highs that we've seen in quite some time, which is, again, is also very characteristic of strong, healthy market environments. Um, I would point to this technology chart um, the technology chart for me is a big one because we're now running into those former highs from the end of 2021, early 2022. We're running into that as we speak. You could say the same about the Apple and Microsoft charts. You know, that's a, those are huge components. Remember, technology is half of the QQQ, and Apple and Microsoft are half of technology. You know, these are these are monster components. So let's let, let's keep that in mind. So then you go to the Apple and Microsoft chart. You could see the exact same thing, right? Now, how are they going to react to those former highs? That's the big question. And then it's not just the United States. It's not just technology. You can look at Germany. Germany looks exactly the same. This is the German DAX index. It looks just like technology. It looks just like, right? It looks just like Apple. It looks just like Microsoft. This is Germany as an index. And look at the exposure to this particular index. You're looking at 17% um uh in in industrials and you're looking at a big percentage of chemicals and financials and consumer discretionary not mega cap tech yet it's running into the same situation so what i like to do in these sorts of scenarios is kind of look around and see what other assets are doing uh, as they come to this uh sort of uh uh hurdle if you will and i'm told that it's a banking crisis uh we're buying bank stocks so you know they're Keep, all these bank stocks keep making new 52 week highs. So sounds like a sounds like the silliest crisis I've ever seen. I still kind of like your Bitcoin move over HSBC. I like the Bitcoin move. I'm going to give you one. I'm already uh, long Bitcoin. I'm talking about just kind of adding like 
positions like another, you know, another nine yeah. Bitcoin, and Bitcoin goes to a hundred. You know, now he starts add, starts to add up. What is that? A million yeah. bucks? How much? Here's money? here's why I'm I'm bullish on crypto, and I I don't express it personally other than a few Bitcoins and Ethereum. I'm bullish because I'm so fucking mad at everybody in the crypto space, and I'm so nervous and calling all our managers that we've allocated money to, saying don't be an idiot. So I'm like being that dispassionate, or I'm being the emotional. This is why I don't manage assets in areas I don't understand. I'm being that dick, that passive aggressive dick to people, partly for good reason, I'm sure, Phil, but like also it's a sign I'm trading against myself, meaning there is a lot of reasons to be upset about crypto, but the good managers right now are licking their chops and, and taking on positions. So I'll give you one idea. It I love that, from, by the way. You're yeah. fearful, but you're acknowledging your fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's how I've gotten over it. the hump. I, I take notes. I write about this every day. And Are you saying leverage the house? You're saying he's telling me to leverage the house. I'm saying he's going to leverage I'm saying, he's look into I'm that saying the people that didn't panic. Can I ask you guys? Because you guys are old, right? So let me ask you old oh, guys. Oh, no, by the way, so one more thing, Hold JC. On. JC. On the crypto thing, I was talking to my man, I was talking to Hootie, a shout out to Hootie who runs one of the fund, uh, Hash3 Ventures. He was a Coinbase guy and worked at LinkedIn. We were talking today and he said, listen, the, wa the internationally wallet amount, like the wallet addresses are still going higher. Show the industrials chart that I put in there. Industrials just closed at a new 52 week high today, by the way, yeah. for those of you keeping track at home. So that, uh, that XPO is right in there with industrials. And just understand that these truckers, and like the marine shipping and all that stuff, your market caps are small in general. So don't let a $6 billion, $7 billion market cap sway you. These, they're just not big companies. Wow. These are not tech stocks. So this is industrial closing at Nuvity two week highs today. Historically, Lindsay, uh, it's So where is it, where did it close at? What's the time frame on that chart, by the way? This chart goes, so those are the 2020 highs on the left. You got the pre-COVID highs, that's the COVID crash, right? We broke got out it. above those pre-COVID highs retested mm -hmm. that last summer uh, and now mm -hmm. we're making new 52-week highs pushing up against all-time highs what's working what's working bitcoin just made new 52-week highs you know fun fact you know i think that i think that gets lost like new 52-week highs is not anything to kind of you know shy away from i think you know uh maybe we want to look to lean in uh if we finally do get this breakout right so this is what we're looking at so although it made a new intraday 52-week high you know look at those former support levels from 2021 right around 30,000, 31 that's where things broke last year and things got nasty. That's where we rallied into uh, and failed in, what is that, April, those April highs. And now we're back to the scene of the crime. So you are literally ob observing what demand absorbing overhead supply looks like. This is that, and it's a process. And when you start seeing this thing above 31, 32, 33, I don't know if we get there on this attempt or if it's just going to take longer to consolidate. Well, I just have so much to say here. So, Phil, I'll let you chime in first if you like. You can you can borrow money off your house to buy Bitcoin. Well, we're gonna I'm, revisit I'm that, that trade. I'm loading is out that, my ape. I'm loading that, out my uh, my my CryptoPunk. So, so you really do this? How are you doing that? You we got it. This will be so cool if you do well, that. NFT Fi. You go to if you go to NFT Fi. NFT Fi. You could list your. You can list your uh, your NFTs. And you can borrow against them. But let's stay on point. We're not. Gotta, gonna I, I'm going to do it. I'm going to. If we break out above 31, I'm going to lend them. I'm going to loan it out. I thought we did. So you have not put nine percent APY. It's not bad. Hang on. 
Jason, let's talk about what we always come here, trends with friends. Like doing speculative side things is not trends with friends. I was only kidding because he, he mentioned it last week. But I, I know. You know I'm not I, I actually love it and he controls risk. I love Bitcoin. Here's why I love Bitcoin. And I don't love it because I understand it anything better than the other thing. Let's look at that chart again, Riley. Let's just go through this, okay? So when it rose, it feels like there was a fundamental reason when it got crazy because it's tech meets software meets scarcity meets a hedge against the government, like forgetting all the other narratives. So when it had the ZERP rise, kind of made sense to me, okay? Like it was the Wild West, people were speculating. Here we are at like uh, almost above, are we still above this line, JC? We're right, like it's it's flirting with us between it's right 29 there. This is where you talked about last week. As a pure technician, a little bit more of a fundamentalist than you think, because you understand the community and the people that are talking about this. What's fascinating about this rise is, first of all, that it is still at 30,000. Well, that's just a feat in its own, okay? The second thing is it's it's got the best financial brand in the world, right? Because it, it's, it's whatever narrative you want to make of it. If you hate JP Morgan, you own it. If you hate Bitcoin, you still own it. If you if you hate Russia, you own it. If you hate gold, you own it. Like, like so, so there's no bigger brand that's never had to spend a dollar in marketing. The Finkster said that they get like 3,000 Change it to hits. Shyster. <laughs> yeah, Shyster, Larry Shyster would be a much more fair name. So if, <laughs> if Larry the Shyster were to, uh, he said if he puts an economic uh, announcement on the BlackRock site, they get 3,000 hits. And they put this Bitcoin story up on their site about their, their ETF and it got 600,000 hits. Okay, so the people have spoken. Fundamentally, this thing seems unbreakable. Now, will it go higher? I just, you know, you need to have buyers. Um, and it looks like buyers will eventually emerge here long term because everybody's trying to hoard and scare other people out of it. But Gensler and the SEC basically said Ethereum and Bitcoin are two new ways to store money because they're not securities. So Americans just found just basically got blessed with you hate the US dollar and you don't trust America, you pretty much are going to have two other ways to legally hold what you think are a substitute to US dollars. So I think it's like a huge moment for crypto. And if we look at Coinbase, which I'm long and JC, you know this, if we could pull up a chart, it's above the gap down that when the SEC, you know how many people came out and said it's a zero after that? Yeah including Kramer. So if we look at a, ch a price chart of Bitcoin, like uh, a candlestick chart, JC, you can look at this. We were trading above the gap down for, for days now. So all of those stocks have been working, by the way, the crypto miners, Mara making new 52 week highs, Riot is up there as well. You know, look at uh, Robinhood, look at ARK in Even general. Hood. But look at Coinbase so specifically. Those types of stocks. Yeah, no, it's impressive what you said that it's back above and it's far beyond back above that guy. That's and staying close. there and staying yeah, yeah, there. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. But it's, a so, it's, it's, it's not alone. It's, it's I right don't think it's going to 100 anytime soon, but this was some... Why not? Of, Why can't it go to 100 anytime soon? I think soon? you can go to 300. Like I'm saying, there's nobody left in America to buy to, that you can own Bitcoin that you might trust. I still think you should take it off offline. Um, yeah, hundred. I think I think that's I think a hundred is exactly where it goes, Lenzen. But if you look at that chart, so let's pull up Fred Wilson's blog from the other day, and really dig into what Fred says. Because if you 
He's the guy that I continue to go back to. You don't have to call him. You don't have to hear him on Bloomberg. You can go to his blog and check in the mood of what really someone who understands permissionless software and crypto is. Software that you can't shut down. Okay? That is the, the word, the, the blog post of the year on this industry. I have, one, I have one technical take that I want to make. So three weeks ago, everybody in the universe is telling me how overextended the NASDAQ 100 is. It's been going up like crazy. It's up 40% year to date after getting killed. It's X percent above its 200 day and 50 day moving average. And then guess what? All it's done in the last three weeks is go sideways. So what do they, what, 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 what do they say about that, JC? Is that like correction through time instead of price? Is that how that works? Could be, you know, Apple and, and Microsoft are right back to its all to former all time highs from a year and a half ago. So those are two major components that are kind of, you know, there's a lot of overhead supply there. So it takes time and you're, you've been getting rotation into other sectors like industrials um, continue to work and smalls and mids continue to work. So it's more of a rotation. Sector rotation is the lifeblood of a bull market. But no question, uh, Pearl's, you know, consolidation through time versus through price is, is clearly the healthier manner uh, in which one can digest gains, well-deserved gains for the Qs. Best start to the NASDAQ 100 in history. Pearls. Yeah, and if we look Unbelievable. at... Unbelievable. And we talked about, like, even the coin, they're sticking. Some of these moves now are sticking. Like, even the laggards, like Cloudflare, like, they're not going right back down to lows. They're, they're sticking in these shitty lower ranges. But, like, look at Coinbase. Hasn't given up much. It ran straight to 80, and is you know six months ago would have quickly dropped 15 points on any news and you know it's holding big gains like 30 percent gains in two weeks and it's holding them it's not just how about these crypto anymore. how about these crypto miners riot marathon both making new 52 week highs you look at micro strategies mm -hmm. that owns a ton of bitcoin making new highs even in a down tape for equities and a down market for bitcoin all of these mining companies are doing well I mean, that's a lot of relative strength. I mean, I'm talking my book because I own a shit ton of this Maracles. And, you know, speaking of positions You're that don't help you sleep at night. Um, I mean, I, 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 got, I, got, I got size on, on those names. And the fact that they're doing as well as they're doing, despite the stock market being down and Bitcoin being down. I mean, man, like what is being priced in? So I got my, I got my that's, got, that's got front and center. But that is there's, not there's, a, the Dow Jones industrial average component. The question is what happens if the Fed surprises and just cuts rates or if rates stop going up? Do, have stocks already factored all in and then will that be a short-term turn? That's kind of where I'm saying because there's so much chasing going on. There's a lot of great looking charts, but we were talking about Coinbase in the high 60s and 70s. It's 107 and now people are excited. Uh, you talked about a target of 100. We ripped through it and people are you know, so bullish on crypto after the move has been made. So I, I'm wary of, of how good it is because I don't think it's that good. So I think you could be in for a bit of a rug pull knowing that these turns are happening. But I think medium term and, and, and long term, the market you know, trends are speaking. And, you know, I'm all you wanna, for bubbles. You want to see, see the Bitcoin? Yeah. So this is a really interesting sort of scenario what you're talking about here in a rug pull because – uh, when you look at the width of the Bollinger Bands, this is a measure of volatility. Mm -hmm. and what we know about asset prices is that asset prices trend. We know. It's not mm -hmm. random. We have the data. Asset prices trend. Volatility, on the other hand, mean reverts. We know that. Mm -hmm. We also mm -hmm. have the math. 
So if you want to be the house, if you want to be, uh, if you want to have the probabilities of success on your side, you want to be a trend follower when it comes to price, right? Mm -hmm. And you want to be a mean reverter when it comes mm -hmm. to volatility. Well, mm -hmm. volatility right now Love is so contract. So from volatility contraction comes volatility expansion. From volatility expansion comes contraction. We have contracted uh, to the extent where volatility is so low, we've only seen this a handful of times in history. And again, from volatility contraction comes expansion. So my bet, uh, if math means anything to you, and it does to me, we are betting on a high volatility event on the horizon practically any day now, if, you know, uh, is 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 what it is and there's there's a lot you know and we're at a critical didn't level didn't we see it yesterday with xr i mean we weren't going to do the show this week but didn't we see it in the show must go didn't we see it in ripple and think going on cnbc every minute and all the all the people dunking on the crypto bears and coinbase hitting 107 and everybody everybody all the dems now attacking gensler too did we just see the explosion in ball and was that like I'm bullish medium term and long term because you're not can't the answer is we have thing. not the answer is you we have not have. seen we have okay. not seen an explosion in volatility. Right. But if you so, were to guess, JC, you're guessing that it's gonna be beneficial to Bitcoin, this volatility explosion. I, or no. I think so because when you look at some of the other assets, you know, like it's a way to the evidence thing. Like I don't know, obviously. So you want to kind of look around at Bitcoin's brothers and sisters and see what it's doing. Uh, and you look at micro strategy already broke out. These are some levels, really right? weird brothers and sisters, by the way. Uh fine um no i'm saying they are and that's how weird the industry is the brother is a psycho but i mean like yeah. if you're looking at if you're looking at, at a gold stock well, bitcoin's a crazy asset man it's an like you know it's electronic is, asset it's only been around for like what 12 15 yeah. years or whatever I, i'm not picking going. on i'm not picking on bitcoin because it's the same thing in gold for example if you're wondering whether your gold stocks are going to go up go and see what the other ones are doing are they going up too are they breaking out from similar consolidations if you want to buy caterpillar maybe take a look at what john deere and honeywell are doing like are they also moving to that you know what i'm saying like they're they're, change, they're 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 changing their tune, if you will. Economists are being like, maybe it's not a recession after all. You're getting a lot of that. Um, at the end of the day, we're 13 months into a bull market. We are now in the 14th month of this bull market that started in June of last summer. And when you look at the best performing sectors, consumer discretionary, technology, uh, industrials, those are the best three sectors. When you look back historically at bull markets, the sectors that tend to lead in the beginning are those three, technology, industrials, and the consumer. And that's exactly what we've seen. Now, part of what happens in bull markets is that you get digestions of gains, you get sector rotation. And while we've seen plenty of sector rotation, they've come in more offensive areas. We went from industrials, materials, financials, healthcare, to uh, technology, communications, consumer discretionary. Like we got rotation into one group of bullet of offensive stocks to another group of offensive stocks. What we haven't seen is any sort of defensive rotation. Uh, 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 low volatility, consumer staples are just the worst of the worst. So to imagine a back half of the year where you get rotation into small caps, which we're already seeing new five-month highs in the uh, Russell 2000, if we start to continue to see that smalls, mids, I would expect rotation into other areas. You're already seeing some of the some of the oil services stocks really ripping. You're seeing things while there might be some digestion in other areas. You're seeing other areas emerge. You know, the data says that when you it want, does you that. You want me to tell you about small caps? Listen, yeah. you want me to tell you about small caps? I'll tell you. I'll fucking tell you about small caps. Look at this. Former back in 2018, you had these highs. Perlman, little little history lesson. <clears throat> We were shorting Russell 2000 very aggressively here, buying treasury bonds on this dip 
fourth quarter 2018. This trade paid for my wedding later the following year. Crushed that trade. I actually didn't short any Russell 2000. The that, vehicle so was by buying the worst trade of your life? Does that make it the worst trade of your life? Uh, no comments. <laughs> I don't know who's watching. Needless to say, new five-month highs in the Russell 2000. And, um, you know, this is what I see. Here we're looking at the Russell 2000 small caps relative to the Russell 1000 large caps. And this is exactly where small caps started to outperform uh, in 2020, right? So if it was ever going to start some outperformance, this would be a logical place for that to happen. When you look at small caps versus mega cap growth, same exact thing here, right? So this is small caps relative to, you know, Apple, Microsoft, NVIDIA, all those other things, right? And this is the time where it's likely to outperform. And what's really interesting is that uh, already uh, small caps have been outperforming large caps for two months now. How was the most important Fed meeting of your entire life? Was it as good for you as it was for me? I heard there was something. Fed? And I really think I... The Fed decided to keep house prices high? I think Perlman, uh, the old saying is, when the Fed's speaking, go take a walk. When the Fed is speaking, go take a walk. And they speak us so much. Like, if you took that advice, you'd be walking so much. That's how you get, that's how you begin to get in shape for you beginners yeah. out there. Whenever Looking the Fed's speaking. <laughs> Fed speaking, any type of economic uh, information is coming out, go take a walk. Yeah, that's right, that go take a walk. I like it. Whenever you, think the mar whenever you think the market's about to, the world's about to end, go take a walk. Whenever you think the world is about to end, take a walk. Well, the world is never, end the world will end. You will die. All right, Brazil. It seems like we've been staring at a Brazil chart. So JC, let's go around the horn. Let's talk momentum. There's so much going on. Industrials, Boeing, uh, the Fed raised 25 basis points, I think. We've been bullish for, I don't know, 23 weeks in a row, a little bit of caution the last few weeks, but caution to the wind, like break. There's just stealth strength. European banks, and you're starting with Brazil, so go. Well, you know, I think this is just an interesting representation of what's going on in the overall market. You know, you're getting that rotation. You know, contrary to popular belief, it, it wasn't just seven stocks going up. There were a lot of stocks going up, but you really weren't seeing it at the at the large cap level in other areas like maybe energy, industrials, materials. This year, you really saw the the strength out of growth, right? The technology, communications, consumer discretionary. You know, really like the other ones holding in there just fine, but hard to compete with such massive returns and not just the mega caps, but on an equally weighted basis as well. These stocks are crushing it. The equally weighted NASDAQ 100 keep, has been making new 52 week highs for weeks now, right? So we know mathematically it wasn't. But the original leaders in this bull market off the June lows last year, right? You could, you could really see here last summer, this is Brazil as, as the candlesticks. And then this is Latin America in general in the dark blue. You could see these lows last summer. Right? That's really when the lows were already put in. So the original leaders off the lows are now resuming their, their original leadership. This was never a tech-led rally. It was more uh, consumer discretionaries and industrials. Tech was an afterthought, and tech didn't even come until this year. Uh, last year was a no-show. So I, I think this just further reiterates the rotation into some other areas. Commodities have really been left for dead. You know, from a sentiment perspective, you know, the fund manager survey has them uh, you know, the fund managers are the most bearish on commodities since crude is trading below zero. So, you know, that whole commodity super cycle thesis is intact very much so because the initial thrust off the lows for commodities was astronomical to, to a certain point where energy stocks were the only ones that were still working while everything else was declining. That was that initial thrust off the low. 
needless to say, very well-deserved digestion of gains after that initial thrust off the lows, where, by the way, Crudo is trading below zero, you know, coming putting a, a decade-plus bear market in commodities to, to an end. What a classic ending to a bear market like that. Um, and then this could possibly be the, you know, the, the chart Brazil of the second lead, half. Does Brazil lead commodities? Is well, that Argentina's that? leading? Argentina's leading this platform. Well, just keep in mind, it's not so much what's leading and what's not as it is the composition of these. So, for example, Brazil is seventeen and a half percent basic materials. The United States is two percent. Um, the the Brazil is seventeen percent energy. The United States is four percent. Technology is zero percent compared to twenty six percent in the United States. So just Dude, massively wanna... different, massively different composition, pearls. It just proves it. Well, that's why I was asking yeah. because of that overweight yeah. of commodities in Brazil. Hundred percent. Imagine if you want to go dark. I think when you think about the the structure of the Brazilian ETF, if you want to go off the fucking grid and get dark and bananas, there's no tech in Brazil. You can do whatever the fuck you want. That is why, if you want to party, Brazil's got to Brazil and Colombia got to be the best places. These ETFs have no tech in them. There is no tech, so that's why. I'll I tell you something else about Brazil. If you want to get long there, is the music is fantastic. The bossa nova samba. You put in your Spotify like Catano Veloso or Gilberto Gil, and you just hit the radio, and it's summer, and you have music all day long that you're going to love. So. Thank you. Thank you, Phil. This next generation is going to have to go back to leaning back, right? Like investing in chill, where you need to understand. And we'll show Koifin at the end of the day. I'll show people the, the screen set. You know, you don't have to know everything. You don't have to be a macro expert, but you do have to know more than just tech prices uh, if you want to be a great investor. And so this inter-market analysis, which, which has Phil and I so enamored with JC and the way he looks at the market, is not going to go away. Money flows. And you know we'll try and keep it simple here. You don't have to be a macro expert. You have to be a price expert. You have to learn to train your screen to show you all this. And that's where, at the end, I'll, I'll show people a, a koi fin stream where you don't have to do any kind of jiggering. Your homepage has you ability to surf the world in prices. And you need to start looking at the world, not like some macro person talks about interest rates uh, and you know what the Fed's going to do, but what the world is doing is they think as they as they read the news and express it in the form of prices. You're muted. Muted. <laughs> These are the returns by sector on an equally weighted basis since the market bottomed last June, right? So we're now in month 14 of this bull market. Since that capitulation, uh, when we had the most new amount of new 52-week lows. And since then, things have gotten better. You could see the leadership here, discretionaries, technology, and industrials really leading the way. So what you're not seeing here is, is too much energy. So here's Bitcoin, right? So it really was in this range for a little bit over a month, right? Yeah. And we resolved lower this week. So the yeah. question is, all right, is this just a failed breakdown before that, that thrust higher, which happens all the time, especially in Bitcoin? So that's a very valid question. Like, is this just a failed breakdown, you know, and it's a bull hook or a, a bear trap, and then we're just going to squeeze higher? That's entirely possible. And I think the answer could potentially lie with Ethereum because here we are looking at Ethereum has not broken those levels. So for me, like, this this is this is a big this is a big deal uh, for Bitcoin. Um, 
very big deal. Let me just let me just put things in perspective where we are. So this is where we are on Bitcoin itself. Mm -hmm. This is at 31,000. We're below that. We failed there four consecutive weeks. And I said, that's enough for me. Remember a couple of weeks ago, I got yeah, on the show. I yeah, said, I go, that's it. I'd rather pay more knowing we're on the way up. I'm not going to sit here holding the bag. I don't know how long the bag I'd be holding it. And I'm, I don't have that kind of time, right? I'm trying to go to the beach. I'm trying to sleep all at night, right, Pearl Dog? I'm not going to try to sit around holding somebody else's bags. I just want to make one point about that. So you're not involved with Bitcoin right now, and you're not involved with Ethereum right now. Is that correct? Zero. Okay. So the point is that you don't always have to be involved. So if you're out, you know, you're watching this, you're, you're a little bit younger crowd and you're watching this and you're thinking, oh, I got to be this. I got to do this. I got to be long. I got to be short, whatever. You don't have to be involved. You know, it's no. like the old Warren Buffett thing. There's no called third strike. You just watch him go by all day long. Wait, wait, wait. You were talking about above 31, above 31, yeah. above 31. We got a couple tries above it, but it never held. And now you're just like no position the whole way. And you're just waiting and waiting. And I just want to stress that to young investors who always feel like they have to be involved. You just sit on your hands and wait. And that's perfectly good too. It's a diff it's a different kind or, of or the stress. third nose gets the cheese, like it's an old book. Like you have to be willing to live to fight another day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a different kind of uh stress, right? The stress, you know, that I would have right now if I owned as much as I did before. I own a ton of options, super volatile. I had a bunch of Bitcoin, you know, and we did really well with Bitcoin not even breaking out. So I was like, you know what? I don't need this aggravation. I mean, I could be in a situation where I, I could have lost a lot of money very, very quickly on any kind of move. So I was like, it's not worth it. I'd rather pay more knowing that we've cleared this level. I'm okay paying a premium. Like I, like I was saying, it's like you're staying at a nicer hotel. You're going to pay more. You're going to stay at a nicer hotel. They're going to have a nice room service. They're going to have uh, you know, a bougie restaurant inside the hotel. Like You're paying a premium for those conveniences. You might have a concierge. You have all kinds of stuff. Or you could cheap out, get a shittier hotel. Now you're going to have to go somewhere else for the bougie restaurant. They don't even have room service. You know, like they're, they're right? This is kind of like that. You're paying a premium to live a better, to have a better experience. And for me, getting whipped around underneath overhead supply, I don't need that shit. I have enough aggravation. Uh, so that, that's how I look at it. So I will wait. Uh, but I do think it's encouraging that Ethereum has not broken down. Uh, I find that very encouraging. Um, so, you know, listen, it could be a kick save and a beauty. We get back above 30,000. I'm happy to buy it. I'm happy to buy 30, 31,000, 32, 100%. I think it goes to 100, 120,000. The question is when. And I'm not going to sit around waiting for it. I'd rather, I'd rather pay more knowing it's on the way up. Could be later today. Could be tomorrow. Could be next week. Could be three years from now. Who knows? Right. And was there another one or that's it? Well, I just wanted to show this because Riley was talking about uh, Rolls Royce. Yeah, but Rolls Royce doesn't make any money from their cars. Like they make no money from their cars. They're they make engines. The jet engine? What is it? Engine? Yeah, jet gen, engines for everything. All kinds of engines. They're the second largest producer of engines in the world outside of General Electric. Look at that, Perlman, with the fu fundamental facts there, huh? Come on. The uh, Facebook just came out beat numbers, or I don't know, please people back. Back about uh, 320 right now. Dow closed wow. higher today, too, by the way. Dow closed higher today for like 13th day in a row. It's pretty incredible. Yeah, not not huge moves, but I'm just saying it's kind of one of these stealth because I think a lot of it, Phil, is industrials and, and banks. So they're creeping, right? They're not selling off. And not selling off is, to me, as good as is, is going up in this type of market. It gives you time to kind of 
research and learn and kind of position yourself uh, as this rotation unwinds, right? Like, I think or you could just YOLO European banks, you know? You look great. You just have to get your position sizing right because the volatility is different. But uh, how much talk is there going to be when the Dow uh, Dow Industrial Average makes an all time high? It's like three three percent, four percent from a closing all time high. Is that right? You know, I've been I've been screaming from the hilltops. Nobody cares. I'm like, no. All right. I, I was I was taught don't fight Papa Dow. I said Ralph Acampora yelling at me. JC, don't fight Papa Dow. And you know what I used to do? I used to fight Papa Dow all the time. I used to think I was so cool, Mr. Hedge Fund Manager, Fifth Avenue Institutions. Only look at S and P 500, bro. They only look at it. The, it was dumb. I was young and stupid. Don't fight Papa Dow. I, I swear I can't stress it enough. I've been there. I thought I was cool too. You're not. It's more. It's the most important stock market index in the world. Ignore it at your own peril. Throw slide 17 there where you can see the equally weighted sector returns in the United States uh, in the first half of the year, right? And then you can take a look at the next chart. So hold on. Sorry, before you go to the next chart. It's being led by technology, communications, consumer discretionary, right? And go to the next chart. And then in the, in the second half of the year, which we're a month in or so, this is the first month of the second half. It's being led by energy, financials, materials, the worst sector. So you're already starting to see some of that sector rotation. And then from a seasonality standpoint, uh, throw up slide, slide uh, six there. Um, that's the pre-election seasonal cycle and the I've never seen the market follow these seasonal trends as closely as it has during the Biden administration. And uh, I see no reason to fight this. This is historically a time where, you know, markets are, are likely to, to take a little bit of a breather. And then when you say, well, what, what is it that's going to that give you the breather? Go to slides 10, uh, 10 through uh, 12, right? So slide 10, we're looking at the NASDAQ 100 uh, running into... You know, former overhead supply. This is just classic resistance. This should be trouble. Uh, so the NASDAQ, heck of a run, but running into some trouble. You can go to the next chart. Same thing in the S&P 500. Notice how the uh, QQQ is 50% technology, zero energy, zero materials. Here's the S&P 500. It looks exactly the same. Almost 30% technology, virtually no energy, no materials. And then when you look at the technology index, go to the next one. Half this index is Apple and Microsoft also running into resistance. So just a lot of trouble in a seasonally sort of uh, weak period. Um, so the question becomes, are we going to be, is the rotation into energy, materials, industrials, is that going to be able to withstand the selling pressure in some of these growth stocks? Or are they going to be able to do well despite the weakness uh, in the overall indexes? And that's the big question. I think that the answer lies in the United States dollar. If the United States dollar throws slide nine there, if the U.S. dollar is above 101.5, we've talked about it on this show, I think stocks are going to be under pressure. You know, we've been getting more and more cautious over the last several weeks. Um, and part of that was the potential for the dollar to squeeze. We're seeing the dollar squeeze. So if the, the dollar index is above 101.5, I think stocks in general are going to be under pressure. I think investors are going to have a much harder time making money from the long side uh, versus what it was like in the first half of the year, you know, if, with a with a stronger dollar. We can get into bonds and rates if you'd like, but that's sort of the high level. I'd like to get into rates. So so my take here, we'll pull up rates while we're talking. So I'm with you on all this so far, right? Like the fact that uh, I'm seeing more bullish charts than bearish charts doesn't 
override the fact of your seasonality, the fact that the QQQ chart, it's not just that it's coming into resistance, it's where it came into resistance. It's coming into resistance where it was like fucking Nirvana bubble SPAC, yep. right? And none of those things are bounced. Like, so if you really think about it, this rally is even, it's, it's, it's broader than people think, but it is pretty narrow because you don't have the SPACs, you don't have the stupidity, you don't have um, the crypto rah-rah, and the private markets are like, I'm seeing continue markdowns of 50, 63%, just hitting the tape. So while QQQs are hitting um, near all-time highs in this resistance, JC, we're still seeing markdowns in the private market. And if you're a public company, you, you get it. At some point, you just say, cut, Wall Street hates this, we need to focus on the bottom line. But if you're an unprofitable business and you're in a market that hasn't materialized like crypto, okay, then you're running dead. So I still think I'm worried. Now, on the bright side, if we look at like the two trends that we've talked about, degenerate economy and uh, luxury economy, those are real trends. And I'm going to throw in a third one, which fits with Phil and Riley, the, the longevity economy. If you look at Twitter and, and Facebook at some of these guys like Huberman, I don't know if you follow these guys, but they've been doing what they were doing about longevity for 30 years, talking about longevity. And in the last year, if you look at their follower counts, they've like 100xed, right? So just like a stock. If you think about the people that are talking about longevity, they've become, they're on national TV every night. They're on every news channel. They're on Joe, it was started out as Joe Rogan and now they're everywhere. So we can hate on some of these people for what they do, but they spotted this trend. And why is it important in America? Well, you're 50 years old, you have some money, you want to live. You know, got the kids out of the house, you want to live. JC, 20 years ago, if you were doing as well as you're doing, you'd be drinking beers after the market, drinking scotch, not thinking about longevity. And now, oh, I was doing that, whether I was doing well or not. But now people think about it. So I think that trend is massive. I'm starting to get some pitches around. Um, you know, whether the first move is like, let's, let's do a mass market cold plunge and $700 and we'll ship it to your house. But like, do I want a cold plunge in my backyard that just doesn't get used, you know, gets cobwebs, you know what I mean? Like the American way or, so there's going to be all kinds of, um, iterations around longevity. So I'm excited about that trend. Um, and then on the sports trend, the other trend that I've really gone down the rabbit hole with, with golf, uh, is, you know, when these owners, you know, you've got NIL and I don't know if that's going to be big or not, right? Cause it's just a lot of people and there's no infrastructure to manage all the, all the, all the talent and who pays what and pricing. But if we move beyond that to where, where the real money is slowing, if you have owners paying 30 billion, 10 billion, 5 billion for teams, and you've got soccer, cricket, uh, all over the world, you've got the four major sports. You invest twenty billion. You may have overpaid. Like sports teams have gone up and to the right. We could argue whether that's a bubble or not. But what isn't a bubble are all the tools that these new teams and their owners, with all the data and all this stuff, all the money they're going to spend to try and win. Because you know you overpaid. Fine. You can't sell it the next day. So you're going to try and at least put the best. You know team on on the, and so there's money ball and there's never been a better time to play money ball because there's now data and there's tools to read the data and that comes from ai and all these other things so behind the scenes i see this massive trend building in sports this is what's going on pearl dog i just put it it's the first chart here uh, on the google doc 
It's the S&P 500 and the NASDAQ 100 running into this overhead supply uh, during a time when it is uh, the weakest time of the year uh, from a seasonality standpoint. So, you know, I continue to think that the back half of this year is going to be very, very different than the first half of this year, right? Um, you had uh, a lot of growth dominating. You had the major indexes up a ton. You know, everybody talking about how the equally weighted uh, S&P 500 is not keeping up with the NASDAQ and the cap-weighted S&P 500. That's because it was all, it was all growth, right, uh, dominating the first half of this year. Now, if you want to go to the seasonality chart, this shows the S&P 500, and uh, we are in the weakest period of the entire cycle, uh, of, of this part of the cycle anyway. Pre-election years tend to be very good, especially after the midterm elections. Sure enough, stocks were. And that's that period where we're supposed to be weak. So my, you know, sort of uh, guess, right, prognosis, you know, sort of how we were approaching this market was, okay, S&P and the NASDAQ are running into this overhead supply, so wouldn't it make perfect sense for the indexes to struggle during a time that in the indexes are supposed to struggle and you get rotation into some of the other sectors that have much lower weightings in these indexes. Remember, there's a 0% weighting in energy in the NASDAQ 100, only 4% in the S&P 500. You got no materials in either one of those, right? So if, if energy and materials are the ones catching the biggest bid, which by the way, energy has been, materials a little bit too, coal stocks are absolutely ripping, none of those are big enough to make any kind of dent at all in a growth-heavy, tech-heavy index. So what is the most interesting chart in the world? Well, the one that sort of defines the current market environment the best that tells the story of the the mess that is the stock market right now and for the foreseeable future is the Q's S&P, right? Like that's as clear as it gets. Like if you're wondering why the markets are a mess, it's because seasonally they're supposed to be a mess, historically speaking, and they're also running into overhead supply. So if markets were not a mess, that would actually be incredibly unusual and very, very weird. One thing that I want to talk about today within the context of UJC and within the context of health uh, relates to flexibility, right? So I saw somebody busting your balls on Twitter about you changing your, your point of view. And I always think of that old quote. Nobody really knows who said it, uh, but it was like, uh, you know, when, when, when the facts change, I change my... Uh, opinion, what do you do, good sir? And, and um, uh, people think that if you change your opinion, people have this false belief that if you change your opinion, that that's some, 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 somehow bad. And, that, that, and so I see people busting you all the time about that. And in reality, I just want to say, hey, dude, you know, like, like look, I, I never respond to those people, but I just want to say, hey, you know, you really ought to look in the mirror because you're rigid. Flexibility is not the problem. Flexibility is a beautiful thing. You know, everybody just assumes that rates are going to go higher. The large speculators, when you look at positioning, because let's remember, guys, fundamentals is not what drives prices. It's positioning. The reason that stocks have done so well this year has nothing to do with fundamentals changing. It has to do with the fact that people came in super short and underinvested, and they got squeezed, right? Mm -hmm. It was the positioning that drove equities this year. Period. Yeah. End of story. Yeah, I in the agree. bond market, it's no different. It's just bigger with more implications than the stock market. You know, these growth stocks are very important, of course, but the bond market's even more important, way more important, uh, like five times more important uh, mathematically. So, you know, when I'm looking at 
uh, bonds continuing to get slaughtered and everybody assuming rates are going to go higher, well, um, that means technology is going to stay under pressure for quite some time. That means growth is going to stay uh, uh, under pressure for quite some time in that environment. However, you know, you know me, guys. Like when I, when something smells funky, this positioning well, hang on, hang in, on. The, in the speculators, this isn't one of Lindsay's farts or his feet. This smells funky in like a, you know, I, I think people are a little too confident that rates are just going to continue to rip higher. I don't know, man. I don't know. It feels like NVIDIA and Apple. Are I just want to offer together. one more possible scenario here. And that Ooh. is that we just kind of muddle through the next few months Market pulls back, gives back some of its gains, and then oh, seasonality charge. runs oh, like crazy. Charge runs like crazy into the end of the year, and this is what takes this is out. What makes talking about. Could ha could happen also. That could be another scenario, and that you know that w it's more of like the cup and handle, and so we get the pull back into the handle thing. Yeah, there you go. So what do we got here? I was also get this muddling like, for the next three months, two months, three months, and then Q four. Uh, you know, Q4 market takes off again. From a seasonality perspective, that would be right on point. And as you can see, this is the four-year cycle in blue, and in red is what's actually transpired. And as you can see, it's uncanny just how closely it's moved higher when traditionally it moves higher and how it struggled when traditionally it struggled. The last three quarters, stocks were supposed to do really well. It's the sweet spot of the entire four-year presidential cycle. And what do you know? Stocks did great. So if anybody's surprised that stocks did so well, they're just obviously not studying history because stocks were supposed to do well in that environment, and they did, so not a big deal. And now stocks are supposed to struggle, and what do you know? Stocks are struggling. So like what Perlman said over the next couple of months, that makes absolutely perfect sense from a seasonal standpoint. Uh, anytime anybody has fought these seasonals this cycle, they have lost money. So you could start now if you'd like, but, you know. I, I will say that Lulu, if we could pull up Lulu for a sec in Fashology, and Lulu continues to surprise, like, all this, like, the market continues to grow for this Fashology trend or this, like, casual culture. Like, this company's made a lot of mistakes in the last few years. And the that goose still, gave all the hype back. But if you pull up a chart of Google, I am so bullish on Google. YouTube is just quietly, well, Musk fights with Zuckerberg. Uh, well, you know, this Google chart, again, like above 130, I'm super bullish on the weekly. It's still, the market's still not letting it go. But Google and YouTube are unstoppable. And, and Phil, My trade of the week, there? August and September is like the greatest time in the world to go hiking. Get outside, get off of the sidewalk where every step is the same get into the mountains, find a trail. Trails near me is you could just Google hiking near me or trails near me. Chances are, especially if you live on the East Coast, Northeast or anywhere out West, you put in hiking near me, you're gonna find something within a half hour. Get outside, you have natural shading. It's cool in the morning. It's great for your, your mind game to get out in nature. It's great for your health, your physical health, to move your body, um, get you know, out with I, some friends. It builds camaraderie. Can't I, recommend that enough. That's my trade of the week is go hiking, find it in your area. 
Listen, not only is this not investment <laughs> advice, not only is this show not investment advice, it's also not health advice. All right, so uh, JC, Should we start I think, with the most important chart in the world? Yes, let's start with the most important. I think it's rates, or is it NVIDIA, or is it... Uh, I think it's rates. I think it all comes okay, down to rates. Up. Throw up the uh, throw up the, t the TNX with the RSI at the bottom. Not getting overbought. Everybody wants to be it's short leaning. bonds. Yeah. Large speculators are the most short bonds they have ever been in history. And I started buying bonds on Friday, as a matter of fact. Started buying the TLT, and I will most likely be adding to the, the positions. Like, man, in strong markets and strong uptrends, momentum gets overbought. That's a, a bullish characteristic. That is a, a characteristic of strong markets. Move on to the next subject. Yeah, so um, why don't you scroll down there and you could see the uh, the dollar index. This is the other driver, right? So for me, interest rates are more of the driver of which stocks are going to be outperforming or underperforming. The true risk off, risk on gauge uh, remains the U.S. dollar index. And the squeeze that we've seen in the U.S. dollar index lately uh, has certainly brought in some pressure in the equities market and this is really it. So here we are in a sideways range. If you could throw the one with the S&P overlaid over it, you know, we could talk about the most important chart in the world. We could say how it's the U.S. 10-year yield. And I think it is right now just because it's at a critical level. But uh, it's really about the U.S. dollar. If we're going to have a sustain of a, a sustainable rally into the back into the end of the year uh, and the indexes are going to go higher, this dollar needs to start rolling over ASAP. Otherwise, it's going to be tough to do. So the, the dollar is really the... the because this is the only safe haven left, guys, right? There's, there's only one safe haven, and that's the United States dollar. That's it. There's only one. This is it. So if the money's coming out of the safe haven, what does that say about the stuff that's not so safe? It's probably doing pretty good. No, but you know what else I'm finding is the luxury, the stuff that we've been talking about for months and years, this luxury trend is now becoming like, memed right there's like 10 luxury etfs my friends at roundhill just rolled one out um i think people should be careful now that these things are becoming etfs that uh it's not that easy because there's a right? new luxury etf is that what you're trolling here there's not i'm not trolling any i'm i, I we started this idea right roundhill ETF, uh, luxury ETF. Yeah, but there's a few other ones that I've studied. Yeah, because, you know, because I, I, I talk about these things and it's surprising how they become reality. And and it's good. Listen, I don't blame them, anybody. Be It's hard to build an ETF business and you got to go where, you got to shoot for the stars and try and find a hot ETF. But what I'm saying is luxury that I talk about, the LVMH economy, it's not just about LVMH, it's a state of mind. And another trick that I, I've shared for years on StockTwits, and JC knows this too, is try and find stuff with strong price relative strength, meaning the institutions own it, it's an old IV trick, and overlay it with things on StockTwits and Twitter or YouTube that does not have retail's attention yet. So it's kind of a reverse psychology, and we talked about it here before, but it's never been easier to do in a day like today is go find stocks that no one's talking about that have 99% relative strength because eventually everybody might talk about those. And, and, and we see this all the time happening. We've seen it happen with Celsius and Monster Beverage. No one talks about these things. Their price trends have been going on crazy. Uh, there's hundreds of companies that have 99 or 98 relative strength and have 
one, 2,000 followers on StockTwits versus Tesla, which has hundreds and thousands and millions of followers, which everybody's staring at. And I was watching CNBC today, and this, it's a whole day on NVIDIA. Listen, you want to gamble and be a degenerate, we're all for that. Like, I'm not begrudging people that use the tools of the day. But be a degenerate with some, some like, fashion sense. Like, don't go where everybody is being a degenerate. Be a degenerate, but be a little bit different. Uh, look at the S&P 500, Riley, and look at the mess that is S&Ps. I think Apple's like 7% of the S&P 500, represents like 23% of the technology index. But take a look at that, and I'm going to show you three charts that really point to the market being stuck in a range for quite some time at best. This is the S&P 500 stuck below 4,300 and 4,600. I think this persists uh, because its largest components are below overhead supply. Look at technology currently continuing to fail at those former highs from the end of 2021, right? So there's obviously more supply than demand at these prices, and the market has not proven that demand has absorbed that. And you can keep going. Look at the FANG index. Same exact thing, back to those former highs, failing, um, keep going. You can go to semiconductors, same exact thing, failing. Um, and you could say, well, this is a technology thing. This is a large cap growth thing. Uh, while that is true, if you scroll down one more, now you're looking at industrials. This is arguably the most important sector uh, in the stock market. It's very diversified. No, there's no stock that represents more than 4%. Uh, exposure weighting in this particular index is very diversified. It's not like tech or uh, or, in, or discretionaries or energy where the big ones are big components. Industrial is very diversified, a, a very good gauge for the overall market. Again, stuck in this mess. And this is perfect timing because what did we say? You know, this is, uh, this is seasonally a time where the market should be a mess after seasonally a period that the market should have done very well. And stocks did do very well. It's the best... First six months of the Nasdaq in history uh, in, a, in an environment that stocks were supposed to do well. They did. And now they're supposed to struggle. And they are. No, I just see a lot of negativity out there. And I see this range-bound market. That actually leads me to my question for JC. I see this range-bound market. But over time, uh, is it going to break out or is it going to break down? Um, I just, you know, from my perspective, the, the evidence is that it's going to break out only because... Uh, so much negativity. So many people hate the market. Every time I go on stock twits, people are just negative. You know, it's it's like I go to the QQQ stream or the spy stream, and it's like bearish, 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 bullish, bearish, 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 and everybody has this doom. Every time we see this doom view, that you know everything's falling apart. Um, the the market loves that. The market yeah. feeds on that. So, yeah. JC, my question to you is, and I know you, I, I, I know you might say you don't, but is, do you have any edge when we break out of this range? If you had to guess, would you say we break higher out of that range that you showed before on the on the spy chart, or or out or or down out of the range? Yeah, uh, Riley, if you want to go uh, throw up that chart uh, of the the first chart that I put up there with the high yield and the consumer discretionary. So, there's no evidence at all uh, at the equities level that we're going to resolve lower other than maybe the dollar being that trigger or maybe maybe moves that we haven't seen yet but to date we haven't seen any evidence in stocks specifically that we're going to resolve lower 
and this is perfectly normal seasonal weakness the market has followed these seasonal trends closer than i can ever remember you know historically stocks are supposed to do very well after midterm elections and in the first couple of quarters of the pre-election year that's exactly what happened stocks did fantastic breaking records as a matter of fact and then in the third quarter stocks are supposed to struggle right one of the worst quarters uh, in the entire four-year presidential cycle and what do you know stocks have been struggling and then you're supposed to get that 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 ripper into the end of the year historically speaking end of pre-election year going into the new election year you know into january and then struggle in february right but that that sweet spot of you know buy in october get yourself sober you know november Jan november december january period that's the best three-month period you know particularly at this point in the presidential cycle in in through january and then a break in february so there's no evidence that that's not going to happen and anybody who's fought those seasonal forces um has been wrong uh but just to reiterate it's less about positioning ourselves for seasonal weakness or seasonal strength it's more about uh recognizing whether the market is ignoring those seasonal tendencies or 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 acknowledging them the market continues to acknowledge them it's when the market's supposed to go up and doesn't that's the signal or if the market's supposed to go down and doesn't that's the signal and so the big news here in Tel Aviv while everybody was looking over here uh, I think the really big news is and we've been talking it's not like the media has missed this completely is AI right and AI is a is is while there may not be businesses yet, the biggest benefactor from the people I'm talking here in AI explosion is cyber. So what AI creates is all these new vulnerabilities, right? Whether it's OpenAI or Google Bard uh, or all these small AI companies experimenting with open LLMs, etc. It's just another form to get hacked. And in the last few days, there's been two huge acquisitions of Israeli private tech com uh, cyber companies. Uh, Palo Alto Networks bought somebody and CrowdStrike brought somebody in the four to six hundred uh, million dollar range. And you can see these these stocks are actually breaking out. And a lot of this historically comes from new technologies. And with new technology comes apps. And we saw this with mobile and with new apps comes cyber attacks because there's millions of new uh, developers building stuff and vulnerabilities. And who likes taking advantage of that? Or hackers. So if you look at um, CYBRJC, you'll see an incredible looking chart. If you look at PANW, and these are, again, these are companies that people really don't know. And they're not commodity stocks, but it's like people don't follow these tech stocks. And no. so you see this new phenomenon, which is they're performing better than their software brethren. And AI, the biggest benefactor of AI may just be cyber. And so the stocks are kind of speaking. Again, I hate sharing this idea because it's just mine, but I know this. I don't have a way to monetize this personally. I just know from eyeballing this, JC. It's exactly my point. Not only should you own the stocks that have the least amount of followers that have the most price relative, saying you should fucking short the stocks making 52-week lows that um, have the most followers, like Square. What else is in there? Palaton. <laughs> what else is in there? You know what's interesting? Tesla defies all odds. But it, but it's interesting when the di when the, the dynamics are so. Divergence so, yeah. is real. Yeah. Like when yeah. you can combine massive divergence like that in a unique data set with 
with anyways i'm very fascinated by that that's it i don't want to short anything but i know for a fact that the cboe having two thousand followers versus uh exxon that probably has a hundred thousand followers I'm going to pick CBOE over Exxon, possibly. By the way, one other relative strength stock I'll share an idea is this MMYT, which is India Travel. There's a lot, This company's been kind of basing for 100 years, too, Phil. Um, and, you know, India is the trend. Um, again, I don't honestly haven't been there. JC's been there a bunch of times, but you just don't see better setups than this like i could put any name on this you get fartville or howie town or whatever this this is howie town like if this goes it's gonna go right and and i've been in this a few times over the years and got my 20 percent stop out and so i'm shy but like you don't see better setups in this tough growth market uh, uh it's in the right space travel it's uh it's got a bazillion indian customers um so anyways that's just an idea that last india week banks, india banks are interesting as well by the way like the p or pe price the book price the cash or pick your multiple they're like low single digits in india and banks are a buffet business so i think you'll like this rum you haven't seen this but i blogged about it today riley and i finally have, i've long talked about price relative bill we'll, we'll walk through this now quickly i've long talked about price relative strength meets social uh popularity and 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 social uh relative strengths and um we finally just put together a list we've had so much years of data and and so if riley you want to pull it up so basically what we've done is taken the highest relative strength stocks. This is just for 52 weeks. Like a momentum, a momentum basket. Yeah. We, and, 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 and match them with the lowest social skills. So, so, so Ron, my idea is to say, which are the highest price relative strengths that really no one cares about on, on stock twits, which is a pretty shrewd crowd, right? Uh, they're not the shrewdest. They're not the dumbest. They're just shrewd. They're you're not too hot, not too loose. Uh, just you know, hiding behind uh, the great white shark. The second, hey Riley, screen, click on that link so that we get the full page of it. I don't think you can. I don't know if we we've sized it right, but there's, see the full there's, list here. Click on that. See the full I, list. I, here. But, there you go. There you go. But just scroll down to your two ideas. Uh, like so, there's a million ways to slice an edge. But my thesis rom has always been, and I do trade off this occasionally. Uh, just not too busy to trade. Is in a downtrend, the worst price relative strengths stocks tend to have the most followers, meaning the most suckers holding on, right? In the ultimate bear market, what is the company that whose shareholders will go down the, the ship? Tesla. If Elon screws this up and this stock trades down all the way, he will have the most followers at $1 a share, right? And so my thesis being those companies that have the biggest followings, once they get into downtrends, die so poorly and nastily and those in uptrends tend to continue in uptrends with the least amount of social interest and so we finally pulled all this data together in a very simple chart and there's so much fun to be had with this and it's just you know riley did this with excel and uh so we're the first ones out with this this is totally unique to stock twits uh it's open data but we're just structuring it in a way that i see the market hey riley is that the grass clippings hat it is the grass clippings hat. Oh, I like that. I like that hat. I like uh, it. I'm ready. We're recording, boys. 
We're ready to rock and roll. Doing hills today, Pearl Dog. Doing some that's what I'm talking about right there. This is my guy right there. He's got the hills. Let me tell you, that's how you build leg strength. It's, it's like cheating. And... Seriously, it's a cheat code. It really is. It's, it's crazy. Cheat. I've never it's... experienced this in my life because I grew up in Miami. Total flatlander, right? And then I lived in New York City, which, you know, there's like a little hill in the in the northern part of Central Park. Like, that's like the extent of my... <laughs> What's interesting, Jason, I want to talk through... I was that. actually I was actually looking up when the market bottomed last year. Yeah. Well, it bottomed right on October 12th, which is coming up right now. It's October now, 4th right use... now for seasonality. So I wasn't... Yeah. Kind of got the gist here, but... No, I just want to see if you, you thought. Like, behaviorally, there's a lot of stuff going on. So can we go back, right? Because I think we could spend... Behaviorally, I'm just thinking about uh, panic. Yeah, we're not there. I'm just thinking about panic. Nowhere, and I haven't really seen it. Nowhere near Nowhere near Exactly. That's what I'm thinking. We haven't by really way, seen people freaking out. By the way, on out. the NASDAQ, yesterday on the NASDAQ, we didn't even get more new lows than we did in March. We actually had more new lows on the NASDAQ in March than we did. On the New York Stock Exchange, you actually did get more new lows. It's the most amount of new lows in like 11 months for the New York yeah. Stock Exchange. But I'm gonna, the NASDAQ did not exist. Here's where we are. Throw so up the financials and small caps because this is where the market's vulnerable, right? The, the opposite. The yeah. ones that are underperforming, you could really see that. And they're at critical levels. So this is it. You know, from a risk management standpoint, it's now or never. They got to dig in. They got to dig in now. Uh, financials and small caps look exactly the same. Mm-hmm. Retesting these levels again for a fourth time. Um, you know, it's only polite to knock on the door a few times before you go barging in, but these are big levels for financials in particular. These are the What's old set of highs. JC, someone just your eyes, forget any technicals. You, you see this chair, you're not a technical expert. Phil, you're not a technical expert. You live in the world, you have kids, you have eyes and ears, you, you, even if you're just local. What's your best guess here, knowing everything that we know today? If we're going to break one way or the other. Hold or break? Over the long term, the market's going to go high. Over the next six months? Over the next six months? Six months, I have no idea. Okay. But you got to say something. I mean, you do have it. I'm asking you to guess. I'm not saying people should go buy your opinion. I think they do. Listen, I think they do hold. Higher. I think they do hold. I think tech can continue to lead, right? I mean, I think that. But if the data changes, then we got to adjust, obviously. Yeah, so there's no trade here, is what you're saying. I agree, but my I'm asking the trade is we the trade is we sold puts in in technology today. Okay, so if I were to speculate, I think it gets much worse for the small caps, but um, but I hope I'm wrong. As I always say, like I don't need people to do badly, so I hope I, I I'm happy if the markets go up. I just had two quick comments on on the conversation that we've been having. Number one, if you're young and you're watching this, and Howard just had this spiel about. If you have capital, it's fantastic. And if you don't have capital, it's really, really bad. You can like look at like housing prices relative to, you know, uh, minimum wage or I, I don't even know what, whatever, whatever metrics you're looking at. Yes. Okay. It's difficult for you right now. If you're in your 20s, early 30s, you don't have that much. You have school loans. You didn't come from money but you want to succeed and you're watching this and you're, you know, you're watching people who are involved with markets for a long time and have some wisdom. Here's some uh, recommendations I have for you. Number one, live frugal, right? You're young. You don't have a lot of 
things you have to worry about, a lot of, you know, kids and 529s and all that. Live as frugally as you can now and just start trying to save money. Number two, get healthy as fuck. Because when you're healthy, that builds resilience. That helps your attitude, your self-confidence, the way other people perceive you. You are creating your own success when you get really, really healthy and vibrant. And then number three, build your network. Yeah. Just build your network. Just meet people, know people, learn people, give more than you take. You meet somebody who is, you know, a big wig or running something, just do for them without asking anything and just build yeah. that relationship. Got to find, find those that. mentors. Got to find those mentors. Find mentors. Exactly. Those would be the things. Live below your means. Don't get all fancy. Um, keep, keep yourself really clean. Stay away, especially if you're in your 20s. Stay away from drugs and alcohol because your brain is still forming and it will affect your emotional dysregulation shit. I don't want to get all into that. And also, um, uh, yeah, healthy as fuck. You'll bounce back fast. You have a better attitude. People will perceive you in a more positive light and uh, develop your network. Yeah, You're I watching would, the would, right show, by the way. That's yeah, a, a how special people. right there. You, you, you don't, you don't have to talk to JC or you every day and pay the full fee. Uh, there's just this stuff on YouTube. That I got soccer it. practice. Love you guys. Adios. Oh, dude, he's stiffing us. He's out. Right. Love it. One other thing, too, if you're out there watching this and you're considering sending us hate mail, please send us hate mail. And by the way, when it comes to AI or any new technology, sentiment volatility for new technologies is very high. Emotions run very high. So what happens is people get really, really hyped on AI. NVIDIA goes crazy. And then they're like, oh, some news comes out. and Everybody's like, oh, it's, it's BS. It's not really going to do anything. And then, and then it gets sold off and it gets really, really negative towards it. If we're in one of these sort of negative towards AI mini cycles within a larger AI bull, secular bull, then, you know, I mean, just Google is just an incredible company. I, I, you know, I'm not an individual stock guy. I bought a little bit with uh, Howard Bull in it, probably too little because it's, it's higher than where it was and the market was higher. But I just think, you know, they're going to exploit that like crazy to your point, Howard. Hey, baby. Oh. <laughs> okay, let's get to the charts. Cuban Missile, take it away. There's a, there is a lot to talk about. We have YOLO week setting up right now. Tesla and Netflix start today. We had JP Morgan last week. But JC, where do you want to start? I think a good place to start at the state of the markets after, uh, you know, a week off or so. And, you know, I've, I've you guys have kind of uh, taken the reins over the last couple of weeks. Um, but, uh, you know, let's just remember where we are in things. We, we have seen monster gains in stocks, as you mentioned before. You want to throw that first chart there, Riley? You know, monster gain in stocks going back, you know, decade and a half. I mean, you've seen it. And, um, you know, more recently since the, the end of 2021, you've really seen these grinding sideways. And this is as old as as old as markets come. Uh, as Charlie Dow taught us many years ago, you got the industrial stocks. These are the companies that make the goods. And then, of course, you've got the transportation stocks. These are the companies that deliver those goods. Now, it's 2023. Are we really delivering these goods and services using railroads? Hardly. So, you know, semiconductors in this conversation has made a lot of sense to us over the years and has certainly come in handy. And uh, this time is no different. It's really telling the same story. You know, these things peaked a couple of years ago. They've been in this range where 
somewhere in the middle, near the top of this range, depending on which one you're looking at. Um, but that doesn't change the fact that we, again, are in this range. And then if you throw the quad chart up next, I think this kind of you know brings this story back together. If the indexes are going to make new highs, S&P and the Dow, you know, you need these, you need these to make new highs too. And my bet is that before the S&P 500 and the Dow are making new all-time highs, at least three of these four are already going to be making new all-time highs. Technology represents close to a third of the S&P, represents half the NASDAQ 100. Uh, industrials have the highest correlation uh, with the S&P 500 among all S&P sectors. Of course, you got the homies representing discretionary and semiconductors, as we just discussed, very important. Um, again, all of them back to their former late highs from 2021. These are the leaders. If the market's going higher, these guys need to break out. They have not. They have not. Uh, from a seasonal standpoint, uh, this is the time where they were to do that. If you want to throw the seasonal chart, you know, everyone's all up in arms because the market's been a mess for a few months. Well, guess what? The market's supposed to be a mess this time of the year. If the market wasn't a mess over the last three months, that would be very unusual. That would be abnormal behavior for the market. The fact that markets have been correcting throughout the third quarter is perfectly normal. And then as our friend Jeff Hirsch says, you buy in October, get yourself sober. That's now, right? Like that's funny, ha ha, nice joke. But there's truth and data behind that. And that time is now. So if you think that you know, you, it's, you're looking to put money to work, um, you know, that's what we're doing. We're looking for long opportunities. I think that this is a time that we want to be buying stocks. It doesn't necessarily mean that all stocks are going to be going up. But if you look at this last one, the U.S. dollar index, even though I think that this is time to be looking for stocks to buy specifically in order for the broader markets to get going and it be less of a stock picker's market, if you will, I really think you need to see that U.S. dollar rolling over and you haven't seen that. Um, you really need to see bonds just stop crashing. Uh, and then the bond market uh, with interest rates and the dollar have been very highly correlated. So when they're moving higher, stocks tend to be under pressure and vice versa. So if you get stability in the currency markets and in the treasury markets, they don't even need to start, bonds don't even need to start going up. The dollar doesn't even need to stop crashing. It's, they just need to stabilize. And I think that that would be enough to get the S&P 500 to a new all-time high before the end of the year, maybe January. I, that wouldn't be surprising at all. Uh, but I think you need a weaker dollar for that. How do you feel about that? JC, I did have a question. Yesterday yeah. we saw yields continue to climb while small caps also rallied. That's right. And that seemed like a really uncharacteristic tape. I don't think yeah. we've seen that. I, mean, no, I don't that's, ever remember that's a great point. seeing that. But. That's a great point, a divergence like that. And, you know, I think a lot of people just fail to remember the mid caps. You know, everyone's like, oh, mega caps, the Magnificent Seven and blah, blah, blah. It's only seven stocks. That's a lie. There's a lot more than that going up. And it, it, you don't have to go all the way down to the cap scale and be like, well, micro caps are breaking down. The mid caps are actually holding in there pretty good, right? Take a look at the mid caps, right? There's opportunity in those areas. And a lot of these energy stocks and industrial stocks, they're not – Two trillion dollar companies. These are mid caps. Yeah, yeah. I'm. I'm. It's a different view. My view is like, man, it's tough. I don't, I don't see enough that gets me excited. Um, and um, that doesn't mean I'm looking to short anything or care. It's just well, the, the market. The market agrees with you, Howard. Look at the yeah. look at the short term put call ratio really spiking. Take a look at that. Throw up that put call ratio, Riley. 
So in an environment that the market is supposed to be messy, should be de declining, should be correcting, should be showing some weakness, in fact, is doing all of those things. And, and yet, uh, people decided, knowing all of this information, they decided to buy the insurance now, three yeah. months after the fact, not buy the insurance that. before that seasonality kicks in. When is the yeah. time to be buying the insurance? So, I yeah. mean, I, I, I yeah, three months ago we were telling people to buy insurance when we were we were you know two three months when we were here. Saying insurance was dirt cheap, didn't cost anything. You know, going into hurricane season, uh, both you know figuratively and literally. And um, sure enough, uh, it wasn't. It hasn't been so much of like this like violent hurricane. Interesting because point, it's been messy. It's interesting because we've been talking about seasonality, and and the average investor chose probably the most bullish time historically for the tape to, to buy puts. So um, may work for them. But like you said, as, as, as bad as the tape feels, the market should be doing a lot worse. Now, underneath I think you're seeing all, a lot of, I think you're seeing a lot of angst bleed over from other areas. So I think there's just a lot of angst in the global political environment right now. There always is. What's going on. And I think that bleeds over the markets. When you see interest rates tick up, market ticks down times that angst, it just, it's, uh, it's additive. Yeah. I mean, what 8% today on the 30 year, 8%. I just, yeah, but you're don't... not seeing, but you're not seeing any action at all in credit spreads, which is all that really matters, right? Individual but investors. I agree with you, JC. Again, you know, the market's if, if doing risk, well. If there's real credit risks, if there's systemic risk out there at all, you're going to yeah. see it in credit. You're not seeing anything in credit. In fact, you're seeing the exact opposite. Uh, the contraction in credit spreads consistently, despite blips. I, you don't want to say spikes in volatility, but blips in volatility during a perfectly normal time for those uh, volatility blips, by the way. Uh, volatility index tends to peak historically uh, this time of year also, by the way. No, and I, and I would say also Goldman's out saying how bad commercial real estate is. not like a surprise. Um, so like you said, you know, what's it's not surprising to me, but I, I think there's some bullish things happening for whatever reasons they do. Definitely. Happen. Yeah, for sure. And so we're, we're in agreement there. I'm just saying I'm I'm not focused. There's a few things that stood out and I'll, I'll go to a few ideas that I had. Uh, MMYT, which is an yeah. Indian. It's been basing since the dawn of time, since Christ was uh, supposedly uh, killed by the Jews. Um, so MMYT has been basing for two, 3,000 years. And um, the first slide, it's the first slide, uh, Riles. And I don't know. I, I think maybe it's the 12th most that gets the cheese here, but I'm long the stock. You know, I'm not doing much stock picking, but long the stock because, you know, how do you not? Uh, I don't know where above I, 40, well, above 40. I like it long. I, I guess, mean, I, I, guess I just have to use below 40. I mean, there's like, I don't want to ride this thing back to 24 and it's just been yeah, 40. It. Yeah. 40. That's a good level. I'm with you on yeah. that. People should journal like JC, you write every day. Riley now writing every day. Hats off to Riley for his new uh, blog and Phil, you write. The reason we do better. The reason we have edge is because we write and share. That's really our, still our best edge. Yeah, you know, it helps you put, you know, think through ideas. If you're going to actually be writing about it, you actually have to, like, actually think through what it is that you're putting down on paper. So it forces you to do that. And doing it consistently really keeps you honest. Like, you're not going to write something down that you don't 
believe and that you don't see. So, you know, you might not think of it that way, but it's just your body naturally reacts that way. Like there's no fooling yourself. Like if this is an uptrend, it's an uptrend. Like you're not going to be like, oh, this is a downtrend. No, it's not right. You can't lie to yourself. It really is incredibly powerful. And, and by the way, we call them blogs and Twitter and all this stuff now, but uh, humans have been doing this for centuries, right? Pearl dog. Like they used to call them journals back in the day, right? King and journals, journals, diaries. It's Hi, a beautiful thing. So yes, yeah, so I used to write on walls with rocks. So, so, That's right. so Howard, next... why don't you tell us what that was like? Well, let me show you. <laughs> <laughs> that was me with red paint. The uh, before I knew how to write. So imagine so, Lindsay as a caveman. I'll tell you one other thing, Phil and JC, to chime in behavioral and price. If you're going to write, this last week and in, in the last year or two with Elon and and, and uh, Trump and all social and whoever your side is don't write for traffic your day will come when traffic matters i have had the best traffic of my life the last week not the kind of traffic i want but it came because people know me and because you know i had something to say finally when generally there's not much to say meaning it's like running you know, you may have a goal to run a seven minute mile. Your goal may be to have a hundred thousand subscribers on your email, but don't start and don't, don't work out because you want to run a seven minute mile one day. Don't start this journey because you want to have a hundred thousand email followers. You know why you should start writing and keeping like a beehive journal, which I think is, you know, toot our own horn. It's our, it's our company and our product um, is because you should own your email list. As we've learned in the, the biggest trend that I see that entertainers got wrong and, and, and only fans are going to get wrong and Twitter users and their blue check mark and you're well, you become a slave to the algo. People warned us of this and we all had to go touch the fire and we make fun of Twitter or whatever we use. But in the end, we all know the real truth. We, they were right. If you're writing for somebody else and on someone else's platform, you are the product. So. The sooner you own your own email list, the better. It's a podcast with uh, Tim Ferriss and James Clear. I think it was the two of them. And they were arguing about what it would take for them to give up their email addresses. How many how many Instagram followers would be able to replicate their hmm. email? They couldn't think of a number. Correct. They're like, it's so out of this stratosphere that it's it's not even worth discussing. <laughs> and here's, here's how early it's really interesting to hear. A freebie for people, and I'm not the first to, to know this, Brad Feld. People that have been investing in email for 20 years know this. And it went through a period where it wasn't important because we got sidetracked chasing likes and, and blue check marks and Facebook friends. Uh, biggest misdirection of the last 10 years has been that. You know, social media is good, bad, whatever. The biggest misdirection for people is to not know who their reader is directly. And this. And in a world where Gmail exists and filters exist and spam filters exist, not investing in your own email list is, is if you haven't done it now, we're telling you again, if you have 10 friends that subscribe to your email, you're ahead of having a thousand friends on Facebook. Listen, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. Listen, listen, I agree wholeheartedly. And I, as much as you know that, I still think that you're, you're still underselling it. That's, that's how right you are. You're so right. You don't realize just how right. Uh, you no, are uh, not to make your head any bigger, but yeah, year, an email. And, I've seen and so many people, more. I've seen so many people be very successful on other platforms. like can be YouTube or Instagram or Twitter and they neglected 
you know, building or, you know, nurturing their, their own audience. And that has cost them. I mean, I've seen them cost them uh, I've wasted probably years. hundreds of millions in some cases. I see it every day. So you're hundred percent right. I want to add one more thing before we run on another note, Perlman. I, I, I love the fact that humans, us homo sapiens, the reason we're here is our ability to cook food, right? We figured out that we can cook food we were able to, right? We were able to uh, digest food, this animal protein, much faster than eating it raw. Our bodies were able to then use that energy to build bigger brains. You know, I'm very fascinated by that entire concept of, you know, as somebody who likes to cook and, you know, learn, train new recipes and things like that. I'm fascinated by the fact that we're only even here because we figured that out. Fascinating. Here's what right? you do this weekend. You go and you get yourself a big fat steak. I think the most important chart would be Bitcoin because it's kind of been a laughing stock. You know, JC's not here, but above 30K, he was like, he wanted to put his house in. I don't know if he did because, you know, it, 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 it faked out the last time we talked about it, but this time was the real move. I'm going to text, text him while we're talking. Maybe we could find out if he's long now. On Saturday, on Saturday on StockTwits, I bought, I bought some at 30 i've kind of flipped out of the position i bought at uh, 30 and the 33s and 34s but i think the most interesting thing about bitcoin phone again this is all made up but you know you've got a the narrative is is interesting to me is like it's kind of the perfect product for what we have right now right it's express it no one really trusts it yet it's probably if you own it the right way it's probably the safest asset you can get, at least to the people who feel they own it the right way. Secondly, is the US government hates it. Thirdly, it's software. Fourthly, there's a religion and mystery. And isn't it weird that like something like we're talking about a Middle East war going on and, you know, Holocaust type chatter and Nazi type chatter, which is just breaks my heart. But what's the asset that is moving and it's creepily moving as like a voting proxy for like, fuck, say I have to get out of town, right? And there's no many more distributed around the world than Jewish people. And so I just feel it's this weird, eerie proxy for all these things. And I hope I'm wrong. I hope at this point, Bitcoin goes to 24,000 just to prove that I'm wrong. Um, because I don't want to be right about this because it's doing all the things it's supposed to do if it's a digital gold. And then where's gold in comparison to then Phil, you chime in. Like I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to dramatize something that worries the shit out of me because, uh, and gold's trying, but you can see how, where people that's feel. That's the about, chart for gold right there. Yeah, yeah. That's the interesting chart. I mean, that's a long term yeah, Well, Bitcoin's chart. the same chart. You know, that looks, I mean, that's a really long-term chart. Yeah. And that thing looks, you know, crazy bullish on a breakout here. You know? Well, it's going to break out. Bitcoin broke out because it's easier to buy Bitcoin than gold. Like if you're in 2023 and you're 40 years old uh, and you have a uh, Robinhood or a uh, uh, Coinbase account, it's easier to buy uh, Bitcoin. Well, you could just buy GLD. I mean, oh, GLD. No one does gold. that. Howard, no I do want to ask. I do that. 
you, well, you, you mentioned the... you're 70 years old and you understand the market, but most people don't. And that's not a good proxy, GLD. Futures would be a better proxy, according to Peter Brandt and JC. What's yeah, what's the best way sense. to own Bitcoin, though, Howard? You, you mentioned that. I don't think that anybody should own it unless it's owned by a professional, you know, if you're doing it through custody. I just don't think it's not so a you don't, toy. You don't, I think right, part of like, the privilege of owning Bitcoin is the risk of owning it properly. I'm not liking that the pro, the borderless proxy is what's working. It's kind of eerie. So I hope I'm wrong. Like that's all I'm talking about, Phil. Is like I can't explain it. I can explain the price action is which is creeping me out. Um, and, and I will say and this about it: it has been resilient. The opposite of resilience right now is the QQQ. It's resilient in a different way because companies have cash flow, right? But it's still a mystery, right? People still have to believe that something is worth the cash flow and evaluation. So, so I find this chart interesting, right? Is that at the same time the war breaks out, Howard Marks is saying credit, um, you know, and everybody who's ever wanted to own Apple and Microsoft and Google and Tesla and NVIDIA own it. And if you don't, wow. you're just never going to invest. So I find it interesting at all in this moment that, you know, we're, we're breaking down. So it's a, it's, it's, there's just, just a short term thesis that it's not pretty out there. That's all I'm going to say is like, I've been defensive. I think JC and I got defensive June, July, August. Um, and I just remain defensive. I don't like what I see. I think the next thing we're seeing, guys, which is super interesting, is Solana is moving better than Ethereum. This is like a huge relative strength, interesting phenomenon, is that Solana's kind of doubled in the last week, right? And Ethereum is up 10%. And um, so I just find that interesting because Solana is the only other one that friends of mine who are in the industry talk about all day and, and invest in the tokens in that ecosystem. And Justin Sasso, who I mightily respect in FinTech at Ribbit uh, Capital, um, has said in using the, the Solana system for payments and, and money movement, much like FTX, the scammers, they were, but FTX was using Solana uh, for transactions. It's a very fast network. And you can see that Solana, which I'm long, uh, through some funds is back to the point. You see where that red line started in uh, November of 22. That was when Sam got caught, right? That's when, that's when, and everybody knew Sam owned all the Solana, right? And so it should have been over. And guess what? It looked over it. Solana hit seven. So there is, this is, this has moved on beyond the Sam joke. And so you can ignore this or you can just say, whoa, there's something going on here. You know, maybe Solana just goes down to zero. I don't know. But uh, from the people I know that actually use the, the blockchain and test it around sending money, truly love the product. What's that make it worth? I don't know. I, I think let's, let's take a step back. We just had a great opportunity to see some monthly closes. October now came to a close. And it gives us an opportunity to kind of digest what's transpired. You know, we entered a, a period in the back half and into the third quarter where historically the market uh, stocks in general tend to struggle. Uh, you certainly saw that. Uh, very few sectors can remain green. 
we certainly have seen that. Um, but these corrections, particularly within ongoing uptrends, which we were for, for most stocks prior to that, uh, tends to be very uh, digestive in nature and not so much topping like end of the world circumstances, right? You know, a lot of things can lead to investors' perception that that's what's coming because that's how the market works. And once everybody is, you know, super scared, that's when you get the ripper higher, which tends to come towards the end of the year, which we're now entering the last couple of months of the year. So when you look back and be like, okay, if that's what historically happens, is that what's been happening? And I would argue, yes, that's actually exactly what's been happening. And one of the ways that I like to look at whether it's something bigger and those investors that are so pessimistic right now, we're like a, you know, very aggressive pessimistic levels in terms of sentiment, if they're going to be right, because in crashes, sentiment is right for, you know, can stay bearish for a long time. You see that. Well, you're going to see credit spreads expanding. You're not seeing that. You're, you, you'd see the amount of new lows, stocks making new lows, expanding. You're not seeing that, right? The new lows list peaked on October the 3rd. That was almost a month ago, right? Hmm. So as some of the indexes have made new lows, the components underneath the surface stopped going down. And, you know, one of the old adages that I like to live by is that before stocks could start to go up, they got to stop going down. Right. And that happened yeah. a month ago. So, and, yeah. you know, 4,200 on the S&P 500 is a huge level. We've talked about it time and time again. We're above 4,200. Also, the Dow Jones Industrial Average is back above those October lows. So, you know, even though the Dow Jones Industrial Average broke down and made new lows, the NASDAQ 100 broke down and made new lows, the S&P made new lows, when you look at the New York Stock Exchange, fewer stocks made new lows. So you have a, a massive divergence underneath the surface and now prices are confirming you've got the dow jones industrial average back above those early october lows the nasdaq 100 for that matter doing the exact same thing um and a fun fact technology put in a positive return for the month of october fun fact and um bitcoin uh, i just dropped there in the in the chat there uh bitcoin also closing a new 18 month highs by the way showing a ton of relative strength and uh, if this was a company, last I checked, this would be the seventh largest company in the S&P 500. That's interesting. Okay, so I'm just going to use this as a segue. We can end with some stock ideas because, like you said, JC, I'm starting. I'm so bearish that I'm getting bullish, right? Like, I'm old enough to know that when I get this bearish, bearish I just, you know, I'm 58 years old. I wake up every day and the world's ending, you know, because I, I have to look after kids uh, just the like the world's you ending, you'd see credit spreads blowing out. They're they're doing the exact I, no, opposite. No, that's why we talk every week. But you know what I mean. I'm I'm stuck in some news uh, cycle, and I know not to trade when I'm in the news cycle. But I know when I get this nervous that it's time to do the opposite. So I appreciate that take. The most interesting chart in the world that we're going to talk about is Bitcoin and Solana. The two charts that are the most interesting in the world right now happen to be related to some kind of World War Three chatter because. Bitcoin, as Phil would say, if he was here, should be dead. Like based on what we've thrown at it and based on the news cycle and based on the government of the U.S. not wanting it and based on how hard it is to buy it, the fuck is it doing at 35,000? Well, it's here because it's a proxy for how people are thinking. Like if the world goes to shit, this actually might work. If I have to leave my home, this might work. What's it super interesting... Yeah, but I'm saying it's working and that's why it's working even more importantly now because the world is in flux and uh, debt 
is out of control and there might be a war, which might be good for stocks, but Bitcoin's kind of saying it might be better for Bitcoin. The second chart that's super interesting that we talked about the last two weeks is Solana. Okay, so just because Bitcoin is doing well doesn't mean crypto will do well, I think, as we're seeing. Nothing's really working. But if we look at Solana, which was left for dead post FTX, can we pull up a chart? Throw, throw up the Solana. Pull up a chart of Solana. Solana's not there, Bitcoin. It it's the opposite of Bitcoin, right? It's somewhat Ethereum-ish. It's somewhat centralized. It's um, it's something that looked like it was dead a year ago after the SAM FTX. But the true disciples of of the of, of Solana have always said this is a very fast chain, and that great apps will be built on top of this. And so, if we now go zoom into the last six months, it is probably the best performing uh, asset in the world. And that doesn't mean I have any interest in owning more Solana or, or adding to my Solana position, but relative to Bitcoin even, and relative to Ethereum especially, and relative to Polygon, which is a competitor chain, and relative to anything, Solana's working. Now, is there hype going on? For sure. There's a Solana conference in Amsterdam right now. All the apps are presenting. But the people that I trust that I talk to, and that's Sam Lesson, who is a big Solana investor and ex-Facebook guy. You can follow him on Twitter. He's incredible venture investor at Slow Ventures. And Justin um, Saslaw, who's at Ribbit Capital, uh, who I get the chance to talk to once in a while. And then some of the funds that I'm an investor in from Multicoin to um, um, Six Man Ventures are so loaded and Pranav at Vanek are so loaded on Solana, not because they believe just in the token, but, but they believe in this ecosystem. And so if we take rip away everything that Bitcoin isn't, what crypto is, is money, okay? And so there may not be a thousand apps that work, but what we've learned from watching PayPal, Square, and, and uh, uh, Venmo and, and Cash app, those are killer apps. And if the biggest thing that I want to put Solana up against, and you're not ready for this, is against PayPal and Square. If you put a chart of... These Solana. Destroyed. PayPal's no, but down if you, to 50 billion value. And here's why. Here, here's my hypothesis that I'm late to, but maybe just beginning, which is the apps that make PayPal the best, Venmo, and the app that makes Square relevant, Cash, may be useless apps in a world of a Solana Cash app. We're talking about a global Square's Venmo. Square's only 15 billion, dude. No, it's more. Oh, I'm now. sorry, 25 billion. Still, here's a here's a little fun fact about Jack Dorsey. First of all, nothing take take away nothing from Jack Dorsey. I make fun of him a lot. He created Twitter and he created Square, but he's also fucked up both companies, right, single handedly. And Square, let me tell you how bad Square is. After Square spent 29 billion on an acquisition two years ago at the top to buy Afterpay. The whole company is worth less than that acquisition now. You talk about bad corp dev. He should be in prison. He's destroyed more shareholder wealth than, than Sam at FTX. So if we look at Solana, JC, and you wouldn't know this, the reason I'm interested in Solana is there has to be a killer app being built right now. And the killer app is money. And money requires speed. It requires, What's the killer feature that would make Venmo and Square better? No government intervention that would allow me to, to bet a 17-year-old, and I want to lay a bet and pay off using my global Venmo, using Solana, not having anybody overlook my wallet. 
this is the killer feature that probably will come out in the next year on one of these blockchains. And right now, based on the price action I see in Solana, that's the one. But don't take my word for it. Go follow Sam Lesson. Go um, go follow Mike Dudas. Uh, and, you know, promotional or not, these people are sniffing around Solana for the last five, six years and, and doing it. But I'm, I think these are the two most interesting things happening because they're very global. Uh, they're somewhat anti-American. They're somewhat anti-American because the U.S. is anti-crypto. Uh, and their growth ideas, because people people are just discovering. If you tell someone the price of Solana, even if they followed it for the last few years, they would fucking be shocked if they pulled up the price chart right now. So this no one's the, even following. These are the year-to-day returns. These are the year-to-day returns, by the way. Yeah, and then if you pull up PayPal and Square, the two killer apps that I think Solana is coming for, you really see it. And I don't know if we can pull that up. Which one do you want? Uh, PayPal and Square. Oh, the returns? No, just match them in this chart because that's where they're coming for. And if you look at, um, there was another one, Paycom that got destroyed today. If you look at every payments company, Stripe, AdYen, they're all down 80% because there's a better feature. And the killer feature is the blockchain for moving money. Anyways, that's, to me, was worth discussing. And now we can go back to regular programming. But anyways, I think... This is just a fascinating moment in history, politics, global geopolitics, evil, good. Um, This is just a frightening moment in time. And it's showing up in the markets and it's showing up mostly in money. A couple couple other charts I want to bring up, buddy, that you've been commenting on. Um, MMYT, I'm out of the trade right now because it dipped below 30, JC, but um, they report earnings, I think, today or tomorrow. I think. I think I'm wrong that it will bust out, but you know, I'm just sticking to my rules. I'm not very, you know, I'm, I'm not very, yeah, I mean, listen, right you now. know, below 37, 37. I mean, it's a little messy here short term. I don't like to mess around mm-hmm. before earnings. But earnings are coming. Sure. So I don't want to mess around. Yeah. It looks great. It, I mean, it looks great longer term, but in a short term basis, like there's that volatility event. So just keep that in mind, you know? Yeah. It's, I think it's going to resolve higher, but it's not my thing right now. As I tell people one, one that looks fantastic is Axon. In a world that uh, you can't get a gun and everybody wants a gun right now, including Howard and my wife, we're looking at guns right now. Um, Axon is the non-gun gun company and cloud company. Uh, You know, there's no signal there right now, but I I keep an eye on it. Uh, And I own a few shares. Keep an eye on it. It's a beast. I own a few shares. They're a local company. Zoom out. Zoom out on that, Riley. It's a beast. It's a pretty good beast, right? Ten-year trend. Wow. It's more than that. I mean, this thing, this 50 bagger. Yeah. Terrible marketing, but great company. I know, I know a lot of the execs are great, great, great group of people. Um, the other one I wanted to bring up, uh, for, for, for JC. This is Taser. Axon is Taser. Taser. Yeah. They, they had a great name and they changed it. That's how good at marketing they are. Uh, but I think Taser was pulling back. People just heard Taser and they were like, no. So I think it's actually rather ingenious. Um, all right, JC. Listen, sorry. I think, uh, yeah, and I, I think that the, the, the pessimism uh, and, and the breath got, got pretty bad, um, you know, which is, again, textbook for this time of the year. You know, go back the last 73 years, go back to 1950, and you'll see, on average, the low for, October, for, the, for the cycle was Friday. <clears throat> so, and so far, that's playing out exactly as right. 
I would look at the the two things. Today's I mean, the big day, trash. right? It's up. Today's the big day. It's up. No, no. Up, one day, up. one day doesn't make a trend. No, the but today's that, a bigger day. What I'm saying is, JC, we're through a lot of earnings, and the Nasdaq's had a sneaking up and having a very good day today. Well, I'll like tell you why the Nasdaq's important today. because the Nasdaq is now above last month's lows. The Dow Jones Industrial Average came in back above last month's lows. So is the Nasdaq. And then on these new lows in the indexes, fewer stocks actually made new lows. That's what you tend yeah. to see at a time where you tend to see market bottom. So I think a ripper uh, is in place. I would look to the stocks that are already working, the yeah, stocks that were able idiot. to fight through the selling during that seasonally weak period. Those tend to be the leaders. Uh, the fact that technology was positive last month. And I'll tell you one more other thing. The, the catalyst <clears throat> is in the currency markets. You're not going to get a face ripper until the end of the year without the U.S. dollar rolling over. And the fact that with the dollar index holding in just fine, emerging market currencies are ripping underneath the surface is really, really telling. Nobody's talking about that because they're focused on the euro that sucks. And the euro represents 60% of the dollar index. Euro the should yen's suck. Making new 30, but the yen's making new 33-year lows. Sucks even worse than the euro. So the fact that that's happening, it's dragging the dollar index uh, further up. But the emerging markets index that have zero weighting in the dollar index have been up all throughout the month of October. Microsoft mm. was up 7% in October, by the way. So there are winners underneath the surface. Yeah. Uh, and I think that Can you're going to see them on the new 52-week highs list when everyone's all excited. And that's when we'll be feeding the ducks to them in February. Uh, and go and ski in Colorado. You feel me on that? On Where are we at in this market? Oh, Howard. Um, isn't that the question everybody wants to answer? You know, I, I wish I knew what the market was going to do. That would make... No, I didn't say what it would do. Sense. Where are we at? Where are we at? Well, where we are is wondering what the market is going to do. I mean, that's where we are. I mean, that's... I. You know, I, I love to, to think about different possibilities and what the coming months are going to look like you know Lindsay look is looking out five years six years four years i'm looking out this quarter you know i'm looking out the next couple of quarters the next few months that's sort of you know thinking too far past that is too hard you know thinking shorter than that is also really hard not that that intermediate term time horizon is so easy but i think that that's where uh, my biggest edge is and and really recognizing trends and you know, I think the, 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 the big thing to remember is that it's a market of stocks, not just a stock market. And the list of new lows peaked in early October. That was over a month ago. You know, I think that mm -hmm. this really tells an interesting story because the list of new lows peaked on October the 3rd. After mm -hmm. that, interest rates kept going and making new highs. And the dollar did not. The dollar did not. Dollar was a big signal there. Uh, the list of new lows peaking, right? Uh, dollar was making lower highs. By the way, emerging market currencies have been ripping. You look at huh. the uh, Polish currencies. You look at Brazilian real, right? But what what are we seeing here? Like I I, I was going to frame this episode as we're, we we are at one of the greatest walls of worry possible here. But also mm -hmm. one of the greatest one of the greatest cliffs of despair, which kind of is you're saying we don't know what the next three months looks like. You, are you betting on a rally here that not you? I'm just asking, uh, you know, is yes, there a rally here because of see, right. But is that going to lead to a cliff of despair? Not that you care, but uh, is that going to lead to a cliff of despair or is this wall of worry, you know, not quite full of uh, out of out of uh, bricks yet?
because it's yeah, a massive I mean, listen, wall of I, worry. It's a at, massive wall of worry. Listen, you look at hedge fund positioning, they're super short. You look at CTAs, they're super short equities. You look at a lot of different sentiments. Retail's goals, super long. Incredibly pessimistic. Retail's super long cash. Super long what? Cash. Oh, yeah, for time. sure. Money market funds, highest of all time. Like, yeah. or I should say of all time because it's, it's apples to oranges. But the, uh, very, very high relative cash positions. Are huge cash positions at the institutional level and at the retail level. It's not just even Robinhood level. It's institutions Robin too. Level. Yeah, Robinhood. You put that and chart Robin back up with the TNX. Sorry. Put that chart back up with the TNX. It, 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 that was from October third. Today, as we're taping on Wednesday the eighth, the yield on the ten-year has fallen below its fifty-day moving average for the first time since May. Uh, it popped above it. But really, you know, if it stays below it, it'll be the first time since March. I mean, there's some breakouts. Anet, Axon, we talked about last week. But Axon, if we pull it up, JC, here's the company that the macro's helping, right? Like You got it, Riley? Yeah. So here's the company where the macro's helping. They have a private cloud. Obviously, all the film from cops and military now as they go around. Uh, and tasers, right? America's gun gun happy right now, especially Jewish people, right? Exploding gun uh, demand in the U.S. post October 7th. And Taser has a product for those people, including myself, that don't want to carry a gun um, just to zap people. So um, they've got it all going on. And it's, you know, it's a great local. We've talked about it for forever here, but it's really today breaking out to all time highs. Um, you know, as someone who, well, we'll see if it holds. Well, we'll see if it holds. We'll see if it holds. But so you got that. You have some of the stocks that looked the worst starting to bottom, maybe like Square. Remember last week we were talking about the fintech companies and how crypto was rallying, and that may be the end of of, of fintech. So they they found a bottom since we last uh, chatted. So so yeah. there's stuff that's starting to not make new lows. Doesn't mean they're going to start. I got rallying. one more for you guys. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. the so. New, there's so much. There's so much information coming at us. So much news. So much noise. Our attention span is so small, and so we 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 process something and then we move on to the next thing. We don't even pay attention to it. But last week, Apple reports, the news comes out. I don't even know what the news is, but the first reaction was down, down. The, it was off like six bucks. Everybody's like, oh, the market's gonna crash. Every, you know, people are going crazy. The next morning, so this is this falls into the, it's not the news, it's how the market responds to the news category. So the next morning, Apple's off like three, four bucks, not six bucks, but the market is rocking. The NASDAQ, the NDX does not care that Apple, the largest company in the universe, maybe most important company in the universe, does not care that that stock is off and that they disappointed. Market rockets higher. Now we're four or five days later and Apple is making new near-term highs. Totally blew off that uh, sell-off um, and is higher, higher than it was before it reported. Um, I, you know, that is the type of thing where you don't want to just ignore that or forget about it so quickly because it's really like, how is this market, you know, not what the news is, but how is this market responding to news and there's the chart but, and i think uh, jc this is a great chart because microsoft it looked for a while that maybe google 
maybe OpenAI had some competition, and they do. I think on that tr mega cap trend, look at the NASDAQ 100 relative to the Russell 3000. And this is a trend that bothers a lot of people. And this getting back to sentiment, Pearl Dog, you know, one of my favorite uh, trades is is looking for areas where investors are, are just sort of... Uh, you know, looking in the looking looking at things wrongly, they get yeah. You know, um, where their 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 emotions are getting the best of them. Like Tesla is a great example. Like how many people just hate Tesla or hated Tesla? I'm talking about years ago, even though it's still the case today. But you know, years ago, just so much anger towards a company. There's an underlying catalyst there that I I I could really get behind because there's an underlying tailwind of unwinding that anger, you know? Um, and I think that in a similar fashion, you know, uh, the big getting bigger uh, rubs people the wrong way. Uh, and, and, and rather than embracing the fact that this is the case and, and taking advantage of those trends, people try to fight them for the wrong reasons. And I find that really fascinating. So look at, this look trend at QQQ versus TLT, scroll down there, Riley. Let me pull that down. So this, 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 is, this is a Lynn's fantastic chart. Lindsay, I love yeah, this one. I mean, come on. Yeah, I had my little TLT year, right, where I was like the Bond King, and now I'm out. Like, I, I, I got to be long, and we'll get You're into more like the, the Bond gesture. The so I do have a action. comment about that. I do have a comment about the behavioral. And here's mm -hmm. the thing about behavioral. Behavioral is actually a terrible term to describe anything. It's actually should be... And this goes back to what JC said at the very beginning of his comments here. It should be behavioral, emotional, cognitive, because all of those three things, those three things are like a triangle, our behavior, our emotions, and our thinking, our cognition. And the thing about emotion is that sometimes emotions are first. You know, E.E. E. Cummings, a poet, once said, uh, since, feeling, since feeling is first, who pays any attention to the syntax of things. And basically what he was saying was, we feel first, right? We have the feeling first and then everything else comes from that. And in this day and age where we are so cerebral, where we, where, where we think first, where we like to overthink everything, right? We're so intellectualized and in our head, we ignore, we're, half the reason we're doing that is to ignore our feelings. We are yeah. angry, we are scared, we are worried. We don't want to think about any of those things. We don't want to feel any of those feelings. So we just think instead. And so what is happening here, exactly as JC is saying about the anger, about the, 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 the reason that first we're avoiding reality, is because our feelings about all of this stuff is so negative that we ignore that. We, 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 we cordon it off and put it over here. We compartmentalize it over here. And then we just get into facts and figures and data and BS. And so... I would say that that emotional world is fundamental. People hating. They don't want to, hey, the big caps are leading. The big caps are continuing to lead. They are going to continue to lead. Look at this chart. It's just simple reality. It's just price and you know ratios. Mm -hmm. People don't want to believe that. And that is actually our friend. That denial of reality, that denial of how we're It really feeling. is our friend. It's a it's tailwind our friend. right now. Yeah. So is the wall of worry. So... So JC, any other great charts there? Other than Axon, this Uber chart is one of the most interesting. That tells such a story. This lift, great to pull up lift against it. Talk, talk us through what you're seeing here, JC, because this is fascinating. I'm long Uber. 
one of them's going up and it's worth a hundred billion, and the other one's going down and it's worth four. Yeah. Uh, so that's one. Number two, you know, my fundamental analysis. I've never ridden on a on a lift. I like you know the, how they. It's like a mustache ride. Like that's kind of funny to me, yeah. but like no, that isn't. wasn't enough to get me over the top. Yeah, I don't see a better position company against competition against um it's great management it's proven that it's great management as it's destroyed lift um and diversified through all of transportation and logistics um and it, a total revolutionary a, company we forget that right. we forget that these guys I revolutionized forget. i don't forget the, you know, well now it's just so ubiquitous and it's, it's on everybody's phone we don't think about it but you know you go back even just 10 years 10, 15 mm -hmm. years. I mean, this this company completely revolutionized how people uh, how people move, yeah. how people and get from one Web place two has turned out to be not as you know. This is what makes me also bullish about the next phase is because we've gotten rid of that zerp uh, easy market on top of iPhones. All the posers that like, including myself, right? Like I was a venture capital during the last boom. Lucky me but I never really believed that I was that smart. I was always, golly gee, like I can't believe, like Robinhood seemed obvious to me. Now we're seeing how hard it is to build a business. Unbelievable. So here's what's on my radar. Just really quickly, what's on my radar is this, is that we are entering a, a, a period of the year where it's getting colder, where the days are shorter, and where we have a tendency to gain weight. We have a tendency to not, get, not move our bodies as much. We have a tendency to eat more Funyuns. And so now is the time where we can kick seasonality's ass. So, you know, I was talking to, I was talking to Jeff Hurst this morning and he was saying to me, you know, he was saying to me that, you know, the, the seasonality really matters the most when the market does not adhere to the seasonal. So if the market was going down the last eight days, the most bullish 10 days of the year, the market went down. We just had this incredible rally. That's what the market's supposed to do. If the market was going down during that pyramid period, that would really, really be meaningful. So here's what I say is I say you get you say, OK, the next hundred days, this is my theory of 100 days. The next hundred days are going to be cold. They're going to be the days are going to be shorter. We're going to be gaining weight during those. You could do anything for 100 days, right? You could stand on your head for 100 days. So for 100 days is all you have to do is think about for 100 days from today is I'm going to do everything differently. Instead of me gaining weight, seasonality of weight gain, I'm going to go the other way. I'm going to either stay the same in plateau or I'm going to lose weight. And I'm going to do that very simply by waking up a little bit earlier because daylight savings ended. So you actually get some mm -hmm. of that sun back earlier in the morning, getting up earlier and moving your body, getting outside, dressing appropriately, looking for nice days, becoming sort of a weather guy, one of those weather guys who gets a weather app and checks the weather when it is nice outside, get outside, joining a gym. I'm no fancy guy, you guys. I mean, I have a gym in my house, so I'm a little bit fancy, but I also go to the purple gym. What's that one called? Planet Fitness. Cheap bastard. Fucking 10 bucks a month. If you're watching this program, if you can't afford 10 bucks a month, you should not be watching this podcast, by the way, as an aside. But it's 10 bucks a month and you just get there. You just go, you just make it a 100 day plan. I'm going to lose weight or not gain weight the next 100 days. And then what happens with seasonality of weight gain is that there's season, once yeah. March comes, it's seasonality of weight loss. People have a tendency. So if you just flatline, we gain mm -hmm. more than all of our weight during the winter months. So you just move your body early in the day, 
look for really nice days, frame it as this is my 100 day assignment to kick ass and to, you know, to be making hay while everybody else is eating Funyuns. If I can give you one more, let's. That's my pro wellness tip for you. Let's look back at what I was saying about, you know, we all made mistakes. It was a bubble. Be careful who you are looking up to and be careful who your false prophets are. Now let's pull up this Forbes uh, cover thing that I sent in the DM. This is a comedy. I know it's fu- it's not funny. It's kind of sad. But look who's been on the cover of Forbes and how long that bubble went on and how many cons went on uh, and, and, and how the media fell for this and how social network kind of failed us in a way that we... We bid these people to the top, like one after the other, right? And and this is from one magazine over the course of a few years, right? Like we have to be careful. Everybody wants to be the next um, uh, Jim Cramer or Warren Buffett, but it's also great to have these your small groups, and you know, and, and really have people that have survived through a couple of cycles. And we really have to take the lessons of this last boom and and bubble and bust to really think through how we're thinking about things and what are the signals for for froth and silliness the next time around. But man, look at this thing. Look how wrong if 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 you're if you're not following the right people and and have the right practices, this stuff will continue to happen again. Now, as we make fun of these covers, I think that's the opportunity, right? Like we have now weeded out all the schmendricks, and if we haven't got all the all the con artists from crypto to WeWork to to uh, you know the regional banking crisis, um, we're on the way there. And so while everybody's like being negative. I think the next cycle of Forbes covers are just getting started. And this is when you have to get back in the market. So pretty interesting that uh, I saw that trending around. Phil, anything about that with respect to, you know, false profits? You, I love that. And, you know, we live in a day, of age, a day and age where we look up to people who are the flashiest, the loudest, making the biggest wave. While meanwhile, very, very often, that is exactly the wrong yeah. group to be paying attention to. You want to pay attention to the people who are just quietly doing, plying their trade, getting better at their craft, staying humble, surviving over a long period of time. That's where you want to go. So... You know, kudos to you, Harry, yeah. for Well, really, I mean, that's why really we're doing this show. We don't care how many thousands. It just helps me work through the week. It seems like the world is falling apart right now. However, it the world is always falling apart, like forever. Like, you know, William, but- William Butler, Butler Yates wrote over 100 years ago, the falcon cannot hear the falconer, things fall apart, the center cannot hold. So the world was falling apart 100 years ago, too. It's always falling apart. And it is when we are really up in that, that opportunity presents itself. I mean, there's really nothing you could say about it. You know, the, the stock market historically, pre-election years, does really well, gets off to a bang. This was no different. Best six months, best first six months of the NASDAQ in history. You know, then come July, August, September, your market tends to struggle. Then you get, you know, like our old pal, uh, Jeff Hirsch likes to say, you you buy in October and get yourself sober, right? That's exactly what the market did once again. November, December, January are the best three-month period of the year. 
so far that's working out. So, I mean, it's there's nothing that's surprising about any of this, right? I get more interested when the market is ignoring seasonal trends. You know, Perlman is going to talk about, um, you know, today how in the winter, you know, we tend to put on weight. It's harder to get outside and move your body. So, you know, you want to go counter trend. Like, don't let those seasonals impact you. If you can, you know, figure out a way to exercise, eat healthy, actually lose some pounds during a seasonal period that you tend to put them on, that really makes a significant impact on the future. And in the market, it's very similar, right? If, if the market is struggling during a seasonally strong period, that's an indicator of some underlying weakness underneath the, the surface. The market doing well when it's supposed to do well, there's no signal there. It's just perfectly normal market behavior. And that's really what we've seen. And I think it all stems from the fact that the dollar's been weak. Uh, the dollar just is getting the crap kicked out of it. And that has really sparked uh, equities higher. Why don't you throw up uh, the Polish Zloty? Uh, this was the tell all along. And we were talking about it. You know, because people were talking about the stronger dollar in October, right? Throw that one up. People were talking about the stronger dollar in October. 60% of the dollar index is, uh, is, is, is euro. And then you got some yen, which is another disaster, and British pounds, right? But at the end of the day, emerging market currencies were ripping all throughout October. In fact, hmm. emerging market currencies, I'm just using the Polish Zloty as an example. You can look at the Mexican peso or some of these others. The, the real strength in other currencies... The weakness in the dollar started on October the 3rd, and that was the day that the new lows list peaked. That's not a coincidence, right? We've had a very strong negative correlation between the dollar and equities. So if the dollar's weak, equities are stronger, and we've seen the dollar, again, get the crap kicked out of it, but emerging market currencies were already signaling that, and we were here talking about it before you could see it at the dollar index. So in the same way that when we look at the stock market, we have to emphasize consist constantly that it is a market of stocks well since the 27th of uh october the nasdaq 100 has rallied i don't know 12 percent 12 from the bottom 12 13 percent and uh to to jc's point uh just a just sort of an emotional overlay here since october uh we're seeing no end of just, you know, public rancor. People are angry. People are angry when JC posts a bullish chart on the internet. You know, they're, they're, they yell at him. People are angry about everything that could be. People are frantic. People are harried, hectic, and unsatisfied with the world. And meanwhile, all the market's doing is going higher uh at a at a at a at a at a nice clip you know usually it stairs up elevator down we're getting elevator up you know i could imagine that people aren't going to be happy with this market until it's late february and we're reaching the end of the best period of the year for stocks end of january early february pearl dog end of end of okay thank you end of january early february but end of the best three months of the year at that time, look for everybody to be very, you know, much happier, much more comfortable, much feeling, you know, sate uh, and fat and greedy than they are right now. And that will be 
important information. And that's when we're making it rain calls all day long. Just sell out of the money calls. Just give the people what they want and we'll be collecting that income. That's exactly what we're doing and we'll be talking about it right here. I really yeah, do think, it's funny you said that. I really do think that there's a high probability that that's very similar to how it's going to play out what you just laid out there. That's, yeah. that's well, what it feels like to me. Just having gone through these cycles, so, you know, seasonality every year play out over and over and over again. So... So a couple ideas. Let's just follow up on a couple ideas. We 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 all liked the Uber trade at fifty ish the last month. Last week you, you had a call idea, JC. So so uh, let's get a lot of stuff. We'll go through the winners and losers. But Uber was a good call, uh, and we both liked it on long. Stocks broke through pretty much to yearly highs in a row. You want to pull that up? And the other one I like is MMYT. I just dropped it, Riley. Yeah. MMYT we can look at, which was an Indian travel, global travel company, which, you know, if you like Indian, you like travel, it's like a, I don't know, it's like a 10 year breakout. So um, company's profitable now. So those are two ideas we share that are, that are working. Uh, MMYT kind of shaken me out 20 times and back in it again. Um, and it's just starting to work. Uh, I would like to really not look back just to like keep the people that kept getting stopped out out of this from entering again. So, you know, don't know, don't use the product MMIT. Whereas with Uber, they continue to execute. Um, Throw up that tech. Kind of, I, I put up the XLK, just scroll down there. Uh, right, let's pull up the XLK. So this technology, new all-time highs. This is 30% of the S&P 500. Scroll down to industrials, uh, which is the sector that's most highly correlated with the S&P 500 of all the sectors. Um, and it looks a lot like semiconductors. And what I just said, if semiconductors and technology are breaking out to new all-time highs, resolving above those former cycle highs higher, then that means there's already precedent for this sort of behavior. And if semis and tech are breaking out of a multi-year base to new all-time highs, Who's to say that industrials can't do the same? They actually look exactly the same. Go to the homies next, uh, Riley. So wow, the homies down. ripped. The homies were bananas. They were looking terrible. So here are the homies, same idea, multi-year base, back to those prior cycles highs. Uh, just so you could reiterate tech and semiconductors, uh, just how strong those things have been, um, you know, setting the stage for breakouts in, in some other sectors, which is what we see in bull markets. One does something and the other follows and more and more and more participation, you get that broadening out. That's just classic bull market behaviors. I'm interested in the fact that um, go to Germany and Japan. Just go to Germany and Japan very quickly. Uh, I'm being told that only seven stocks are going up. How many of those seven stocks are trading the German DAX and the Japanese Nikkei? Right, we're seeing global participation expanding. General Canadian blippy over here telling me that I, we don't need to look at international equities. <laughs> you can look at them. I'm not. So let's pull up GoDaddy, a very American company. Look at this breakout. I got. I don't. I we are all now dumb. Through. No, no, no. GoDaddy is a pretty dumb company and not a criminal oh, organization, and has a very simple business that he is just likes it because it's from like, Arizona. No, it, we, this showed up on our scans because no one follows it and it just hit all-time highs. Hard to ignore that breakout. Axon continues to act well, AXON. We've been talking about Taser for a long time. Um, you know, my favorite international one idea is India, so therefore MMYT, which we've been talking about, which continues to do well. Um, so 
there's just a lot working. What, do we have anything else? That we, obviously, the luxury trend continues. We saw Ferrari and Rolls-Royce, JC mentioned, uh, all-time highs. Rolls-Royce is more of an engine maker, not the actual Yeah, they make uh, engines. Yeah, it's not really a car. I don't, but I don't not know cheap engines. broken down. Yeah. But it's just funny, yeah. you know, that people are talking about us being in a recession. I got Rolls-Royce and Ferrari making all-time high. you know? Everything's teed up to have some kind of massive rally, JC. And, in what? And, just in just in a lot of things, risk oh, on type thing. We're, we're yeah. I don't know. sell. We're eighteen no, months I, I, into I, I, a bull yeah. market. We've been just in a kidding. bull market for a year and a half already. Just kidding. Yeah. No, I know you're kidding, but I feel the same way, Phil. It seems too obvious that we're going to gap and go. Why don't you look something. at? Uh, why don't you scroll up to the? Uh, a lot of people are fighting it. There's a lot of people out there fighting it, Howie. So yeah. uh, you know, the know, that's a bullish thing. Tyrant's stuck in a car. The show must go on. JC, Riley, Phil, welcome. There's always something. Speaking of ripping through charts, um, let's get it started. As it turns out, and you know, we were obviously pounding the table about it the entire time, but as it turns out, anybody who thought that the Magnificent Seven was a thing and that only seven stocks were going up, those are just people who are really bad at math or lazy. A lot of people who actually just wouldn't take the time to actually go and count and took it for what it's worth that the pretty lady on the TV said that it's only seven. Oh, it must be true. But it really comes down to the United States dollar. We've talked about it here. Throw up the S&P uh, overlaid with the dollar. We talked about it a thousand times in this particular show. It has nothing to do with inflation or the Powell or the Trump or the Biden or the, you know, what are they, the, we got the, the, the government shutdowns or the wars. Like, like there's always something. There's always, they're always giving you reasons to sell stocks. As soon as they stop giving you reasons to sell stocks, probably when you should sell the stocks. Scroll down to the lower chart. You can see the performance of different assets since October the 3rd, which is the day that the dollar index peaked, which by the way, was the day that the new that the new lows list on the New York Stock Exchange peaked. The new lows list peaked on October the 3rd. That was almost two months ago, by the way. And that was the day that the dollar topped. That is not a coincidence. If you're going to buy the biggest pieces of shit you could find, it, I, I like to buy the XBI against those lows. You know, healthcare, healthcare represents 21% of the Dow Jones Industrial Average. It's the largest sector in the Dow. It's also the second largest sector in the S&P 500 after technology. And nobody wants to be in it. I actually have data from Deutsche Bank showing uh, the we're at record low exposure to healthcare. XBI is going to be equally weighted. IBB is going to be cap weighted. Um, if one's going to do well, the other one's probably going to do well. Um, I think maybe you get a bigger bounce. I think it's, it's, a, cap, it's a cap weighted. So if small caps are outperforming, um, you'll probably get, uh, you'll probably see XBI outperforming. If small caps are underperforming, then the larger cap will outperform. So that's probably the game you're playing. Yeah. The other thing I would say, guys, is crypto. You know, we talked about it probably two, three months ago. We brought up Solana. Probably our two best calls, uh, Solana and Coinbase. I remember talking about Coinbase when it closed above the Gary Gensler um, shakedown uh, lawsuit. As soon as it cleared that price, I don't know, we'd have to pull up the episode a few months ago when it crossed 50. Uh, I said, you know, there, it survived the SEC. The SEC stared down the SEC and won, right? It kind of broke the SEC. I want to 
take a step back and just remind everybody that this is not just a United States thing. Uh, we're seeing this globally. If you want to throw up the German DAX, you know, this is this is one of the most important stock market indexes in the whole world. Uh, it has nothing to do with the Magnificent Seven. Um, it's its own animal. If you look at the weightings in Germany, it's going to be very different than you're going to find in the United States, for example. And I could bring up up some other examples, but the bottom line is Germany, as you're well aware, is, is a very important index. And just to be clear, only 15% of the German index, 16% to be clear, uh, of the German index is technology, as opposed to 28, 29% of the S&P 500 being technology, 16.5% industrials in Germany, 20% financials, 15% consumer discretionary, 8% um, basic materials, so you're getting a lot more diversification away from just tech, although you are getting some tech in Germany. Um, and again, like the S&P 500, pushing against new all-time highs. For the other one that I would pull up uh, that no one's talking about, because, and StockTwits, and StockTwits has an India team, and, and you can follow a lot of traders on India and StockTwits, is, and the at StockTwits India, is the Nifty. You know, India is a democratic country. We may not like the leadership, uh, but... If you look at the Nifty, it just crossed into, I think, all-time highs again. Uh, it's been a while. That's uh, what it does. It's what it does. Sorry? It, it, it's basically what it does, yeah. uh, is, is that it makes all-time highs. This thing's, this thing's been working for a long time. Throw up the first uh, chart there. I think you it, can see the Nifty it, 50 consolidated. Let me just explain something to you about this. India. Like, again, I don't invest there, but I'm definitely looking for exposure. Yeah, I, Sorry, I have some startup investing there through a couple funds personally, but there's so much weird fraud and, and other things going on. Very hard to do do it at, uh, at a professional level, in my opinion. But India, wow. for that chart, guys, it's four trillion. India's public market at all-time highs is basically Apple and Microsoft. So if you think, if you if you can wrap your head around democracy being a possibility at scale in India and a billion people coming out of poverty, you know, maybe no World War III, uh, which is probably already priced in, India probably has the biggest upside man for man because you're talking about it at the nifty being the size of microsoft and apple and that's just not going to stay yeah. that way think about that's, it that's so you're talking about there is a lot of opportunity and equity over the next 20 years it's just not going to look the same as it looked the last 20 years but some of it will look the same look at ibm all-time high so so again you can't you can't overthink it but like you said jc it's not just america well, this has uh, been yesterday. this has been the best sector all year. I mean, communications yeah, all so year lagged, long. But no, it hasn't. But it's lagged. lagged. Oh, it actually, hasn't lagged. Eighty-five. No, not at all. To, communications. Uh, communications was in the top two worst sectors for five consecutive quarters, and it's been it. top two sectors every quarter this year. So Russia. it's lagged the fang. It's I think it's lagged the fang or the magnificent seven. Sorry, you're correct. So it's, I mean, so it's I pretty, think this. I think. I think it's best days are ahead. I saw like Sachs and, and some of the VCs were calling it woke. So I added some more. I mean, I'm sure it is a woke company in, in relative to a tobacco company. Um, but that's silly. To I just have a comment about Google and a comment about cognitive inefficiency in the market. Mm -hmm. And that is this, that 
you know, we talk about inefficiency in the market, right? We talk about when like something is not in the market that should be, or if a price is, ha you know, if something's lagging or if something has overreacted or underreacted, this is a perfect case of underreaction. That is a cognitive inefficiency in the market. What happened here is that months ago, four or five months ago, Google came out with press releases around Gemini and said that they were going to come out with it at the end of this year. More recently, mm -hmm. they said, oh, it's going to be delayed until the beginning of next year. Market did not really react. This was during the whole big chat GBT thing. Chat GBT is going crazy. Microsoft is going off the hook. Nobody is responding to the fact that Google has publicly announced that Gemini is coming, that it's going to be off the handle, and it's going to be incredible. And then all of a sudden, and then they announced, they said something about it again like two weeks ago. Nobody yeah. reacts. Nobody's ready. Underperforming, uh, uh, underperforming Microsoft. And then yesterday they came out with another announcement about it. They had a little video that had a little whatever and stocks up, you know, five, 6% today. This information, there was nothing new that they came out with yesterday that the market should be responding now. So we are just, yep. you know, the market sometimes can be slow information processors, cognitive inefficiency, underreaction, whatever you want to call it. Look for that. So in other words, if you're in the future and you hear some or understand something about a stock, it could be public information and you don't see it in the price. That could be incredibly powerful information for you to use and say, hey, this is not in the market yet. I'm going to buy and wait for it to be in the market. You have patience and then go. Yeah. So Google, uh, one other one to check in on because we keep talking about is India. We talked about India just in general hitting the Sensei and MMYT, if we could pull it up, um, is extending its breakout. Uh, again, if you want to bet on India, um, being in the travel space, whether it's like uh, the booking.com, uh, people will both go there like JC loves First going chart, to India. Uh, <clears throat> oh, you had it up here anyways. Yeah. So MMIT, just to catch up, it hit more. It's hitting more all-time highs kind of as we speak. It's not a sexy company, but that breakout, man. Why? What's not is... sexy about it? Well, it just doesn't move a hundred points in a day, but you never know. Like it's got uh, a beta, yeah. It's it's got a beta of one. It moves. It's no more volatile than the market. In other yeah, words, so I but these are like old man, old man stocks. I like. Like I don't need it to have massive. I mean, beta. It's a sick like base, base, man. Listen, ten year that base, just... ten year base, consumer discretionary, the... India. Those are all like check, check, check. Like, are you kidding me? So That's and, and by the way, like, and the best part, the best part is the risk reward is so good because if the stock isn't above all those former highs, then the, all bets are off. You only want to own yeah, it if it's a breaking I've, out. And yeah. when you look at Bitcoin, it's the exact same thing, right? Yeah. Big bases, big breakouts, new highs, Ethereum, same exact thing, but still plenty <laughs> of room before getting to the Ethereum's my new fave. Ethereum's my new fave because I, I, here's why. And I was talking to Ram, who's been on the show a few times, is because. Um, it's not going away. It's a lagger. And maybe, you know, Solana's kind of taken the, there's something about, he was explaining to me, and I <clears throat> will have him on the show soon. But because of the way, <clears throat> excuse me, because of the way Grayscale was set up with ETHE and trading at a discount, a lot of the first big move in Ethereum came from people coming into ETH 
ETHE because it was trading at a discount. So the way to own Ethereum uh, for the last year uh, has been through ETHE. Same with GBTC, which was trading at a deep discount to Bitcoin. Part no, of a bubble. I think, I think I think you are the one who who sort of steered us into the direction of thinking about them as technology stocks, software stocks, right? Yeah. And ever since you said that, it's kind of been in my head, and I I legitimately treat them that way. Number one, number two, they continue to act like software stocks. They the charts Correct. of the cryptos look like other software stocks. So Correct. like the market keeps proving that that thesis is true. But whether it is or whether it isn't, it's kind of just a better way to go through life um, uh, treating these cryptocurrencies like software stocks because it's just easier that way. You don't have to put them on this pedestal. Like, it's just, you want yeah. to own these software stocks or not? Like, it's not that big yeah. of a deal. Like <clears throat> Now, <clears throat> the other thing that this cycle will prove is that assuming we trust the Ethereum's structure of burning Ethereum, the supply is not going up, right? So, so, so they're not only software stocks, they're not paying employees who want ergonomic support and sushi at lunch and healthcare. Um, they're actually being utilized like a highway. And instead of uh, increasing the supply of pavement or all the things that supply, they're burning the supply. So the traffic is increasing theoretically on these blockchains and the supply of tokens is dropping. I got a Perlman stock, right? Because we're talking about Bitcoin and growth and all this junky stuff. I got a Perlman stock. Just what really one, one quick point before we do. I just want to give a shout out. You guys mentioned Michael Saylor. He is so hated. He's yeah. so, people hate him. But I just want to give a shout out to him because this guy put his money, and he gives off like a little bit of a John McAfee vibe. He's got a little yeah. bit of that going on. But I just want to say, this guy put his fucking money where his mouth is. He but position sizing, we believes. talked about that. Yeah. He all in, just cojones like freaking size of a basketball. You just got to give him credit for that, man. I'm just giving it a shout well, out. I it's mean, what I said before. We have we have balls. people that are crazy, like a, like you say Mark. Pink, you could say something about all these billionaires, but like Mark Pincus was telling me, it's all about position sizing. So you, the world needs people like Michael Saylor. They will blow up, but. He gave good advice. In the, if you're going to own Bitcoin, own the Bitcoin. Don't. He's a derivative. MicroStrategy is a derivative play. But MicroStrategy is, is like a. It's, it's been the de facto Bitcoin ETF. If he would have, uh, if he would have bought Ethereum instead, that five billion dollars invested would be worth ten right now. Instead, it's worth seven and a half. To Perlman's point, you know, God bless. I mean, this guy crushed it. Good for him. Still crushing it. And just think about it. Still <clears> not even perfect, right? Still, not, still pick the wrong one, right? So, it, like, you, like it doesn't have to be perfect, right? Like he 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 got the wrong one and he's still crushing it, right? Like it's okay, yeah. right? Pearls, yeah. and hated. I love the fact that he's hated. He just just you know reviled. Is that a word? <laughs> he's reviled. <laughs> I mean, you word. need a you need a you need a special set of balls to do what he's doing. Just think about what kind of serial killer looks at this market over the last 18 months and says, aha, classic bear market. <laughs> you know what I mean? There like, are people saying that, by the way. Dude, what kind of fucking asshole do you need to be to call this a bear market? Like, what's the matter with you? And um, we just saw the most Long amount course. of stocks. Listen to this. Most amount of stocks in the New York Stock Exchange making new 52-week highs in over 30 months. Wow. People are talking about weak breath. Like, what the fuck are you looking at? So, you know, okay, I this think is a great chart because 
because I do, oh, sorry guys, I do kind of expect, sorry, goddamn, I do expect a pullback. Not that I'm trading for a while. I don't pullback trade, in what? I, that is an interesting chart because but no, I just think everybody's what? kind of thrown in. No, just in some stocks. And you saw it in Lily. We'll get to it. I have some thoughts for you. We're but, short. So uh, good. Some, yeah. It looks that's terrible. what I'm saying. I want to, that's one of the trades we want to review. But you're going to see great rotation. So you'll see pullbacks where you least expect it. As people chase, they're going to be surprised. But if you take a look out and look at the times that you've gotten this massively overbought, the next year or two have been fabulous, fabulous. And is there a term for that, Phil? Like what people just are, are, are not seeing this? Is it recency bias? Is it, is it all these things? Is it just... People uh, have their preconceived notions and they prefer them over evidence to the contrary. And we see that over and over again uh, in markets, out of markets, in your personal relationships, a-hole bosses, the whole thing, everywhere you look. It is just an, a component of human nature that allows us to, in the markets, allows us to make money. The most well, the bonds bottomed. I mean, the, you had a chart that was of the bonds bottom, and that's obvious now. Hold on. So uh, or at least the most important chart. The most Ooh. important chart is not bonds, right? The most important chart is the one that I just Dollar? put here. That's part of King, it, for sure. King Dollar? Um, the Dow Jones the, Industrial the average. Ten year, the 10-year yield. The Dow Jones Industrial average. Oh, there, that's it. New high in price, DJIA, all-timers. Wow. Right. Hey, uh, JC, uh, do, can we, I mean, Uber, Uber was one of our picks. Shout out to us at 50-ish dollars, $62. Do you, do you trail this here? Because this is, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to run through a lot of ideas because we've been so bullish all year. Uber's now 62. It's up at like 25%. I started selling some just because I don't really is a trade for me, you know, I'm mostly indexes. Um, JC, when do you start for you, you, you get this trade, you probably had it through options. I had it through cash and stock, yep. like using stock. So now it's run to 62. Sorry, rather to put you on the spot, pull it up. Like, how do you trade out of this? You got right, so when our options double, in short term. When our options yep. double, we take half off the table. But if right? in the stock, I'm up 25%. Do I, do I, well, I didn't tell you, I didn't, Tell you to buy the stock. So what I've done is I've sold about 50% and moved my stop to 55. And you know, if it goes sideways for six months and breaks out again, I may add to it. Okay. And, and is that, that's not in the transfer. So let's pull up the, you know, you know they say when the, the Dow's at all time highs, you know, Dow theory is where, where are the transport at? And I haven't looked at them in a while. I don't know. Do you, do you follow it at all? What do you think, Lindsay? Do I follow them? Well, I know I you do, but them. does it mean anything now to look at that and say, well, of course, information? Okay. of course. So what do we see? Because yeah, the hoodies, it's, it's, it's the hoodies and the blowfishes in Yemen just shot down uh, Israeli cargo ships. So I don't know what that has to do with the Dow Jones Transportation it doesn't. Index. I'm just showing you how well read I am. Price is what makes the news. News doesn't drive prices, right? You could. We're, I know that the agreement. journalist is very pretty, or the guy on the TV is very loud and obnoxious, but they're just reading to your parents what we were talking about on Twitter that day, right? Is, is really all it is. You know, they're dressing up all nice. That's really all it is. Um, the Dow Jones transportation average is a very, very important index. This goes back mm -hmm. to, speaking of journalists, my favorite journalist of all time, a one um, Charles Henry Dow of Springfield, Massachusetts. And he was just 
you know, trying to write about the, 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 the environment and the market. And so he created a basket of stocks that make the goods. And those are the Dow industrials is what we call them now. And then there was the mm -hmm. companies that then deliver those goods. And those were the railroad uh, stocks. At this point, we call them the transportation stocks, of course, because we have other methods of transportation other than railroads. What I see is a, a big multi-month, uh, multi-year base here yeah. uh, that looks like it's going to be resolving higher as a lot of other bases have, you know, breath continues to expand, not just in the United States, but around the world. And any of these idiots uh, that have been telling you we're in a bear market just haven't taken the time to actually go count, right? So I would encourage viewers, listeners, go count. This is, this is what you want. You want, if you're long stocks, you want the dollar to get the shit kicked out of it. Yeah. And then by the way, it's not just global stocks or US stocks, it's stocks. Look at emerging market currencies literally making new multi-year highs as we speak. Uh, this is evidence mm -hmm. of risk appetite, guys, not risk aversion. Uh, look at these emerging market currencies ripping. Look at the Polish Zloty. Uh, had it right all along. Polish Zloty bottoming in early October, telling us to buy stocks very aggressively. Here we are a couple of months later. The Zloty had it right all along. So Argentina, uh, kind of, I don't know if Argentina stuck. But it had a huge breakout on the on the change of, gov uh, of government. But I want to talk mostly about U.S. But I, you can see the expression of what JC is talking about in like emerging markets for sure. Uh, risk is on Germany all time highs, Italy all time highs. Uh, so it's not just the United States. It's uh, it's uh, places that have uh, freedom and who want freedom and are sick of uh, the nonsense and have who have somewhat good policies. For the U.S., it's just. Best neighborhood, best house in a shitty neighborhood, I guess, is what you would say. Uh, MMYT, you know, it's one of ours that we talked about. The breakout continues, just, you know, nothing to do here. But, like, it's not letting anybody in. It's not, like, jihadding to the upside, but it's not letting anybody in. Um, Drop slide one there, Riley. New all-time highs, right? For MMYT. Mm -hmm. Yeah, continues to work. Not sexy, but continues. What's not sexy about it? <coughs> Well, it doesn't go up 30% a day. Um, <clears throat> one, Are those the type of stocks you want that go that can go up 30% a day? Hey, if you're in it, it is fun, like Elastic did. Uh, but it just you're right, it doesn't happen very often. Axon, Taser, uh, no one knows it. No one follows it. Um, I think it's probably going to be the, the biggest stock in the bull market because it fits in so many trends, right? Cloud, it has its own private cloud um you know self-defense and just the idea of like uh i don't trust my neighbor axon uh riley i was one of the first to break out uh throw up slide you one. Know, last year you know and that's just just a beautiful base and it's just that's one that's just not looking back jc so i just think Hard to say that we're not, that it could not have a great run, right? These deep, long bases that it goes into. Um, it's also just one, no one even follows it or cares, you know, but it fits in with so many themes and then you've got the price action. But this is this is a big theme in and of itself. And, you know, uh, this one technically- Oh, it's is in the aerospace and defense? Okay, it's so defense. that's getting money flows. No, that's good because it's getting money flows. People yeah, but it's also the, it. it's also these, these mid-cap sort of- uh, of of uh industrials right because industrials yeah. are making new all-time highs in the large cap space but had already been really working small cap industrials had already been working 
you know, people are, you got these idiots telling you the small caps are going to drag down the rest of the market. Meanwhile, small cap industrials are making new all-time highs, as we talked about in this show. And it's not just Axon. You know, there's uh, like these no, cap engineering and manufacturing <clears throat> companies out of like Ohio and stuff like that. There's a bunch of them out yeah. there. Yeah, that well. was another one that I own. Here's here's what I think about this bull market, and I've talked about it for a few weeks, right? Like, I don't, I, it's going to be led by borders and walls and defense, right? Like, you're seeing it with the two wars going on. Everybody's going to be investing in both inventory for this stuff in case another war brews up, because there's, there's rumors that we're out of inventory for the Ukraine. But more importantly, all this tech that people didn't think they'd use or don't need or was overspent on will get applied just like Israel does it every year to tech. And so money flows on dips and money flows in general are going to come into this space. So I didn't know Axon was in this space. Good to know. The other thing Axon has going for it is a private cloud, right? When cops walk into a home, whether it's after a murder, and I've talked about this before, they're wearing a camera, they're wearing a, a camera on their chest, JC, and immediately filming, right? It's fascinating how many crime shows are going to be built with this data. Okay, so, so they've always been sitting on their own Netflix, right? Um, in the sense that these are crime stories that they are literally filming live, right? And they own all this data. They, they have their own private cloud. So this stuff is theirs, okay? So when AI, who's AI going to benefit? Axon, right? Who's AI benefiting? Intuit, Adobe, Autodesk, the verticals that already control their verticals is AI, and so this is just another uh, feather in the Axon bucket. Again, don't know the CEO, can't comment on the execution, um, but everything here lines up for a huge continued move uh, in Axon, one of the early leaders. Okay, so I'm still along that. Just wanted to catch people up on that. I don't know if you, ch again, I'm not giving advice. I'm just telling people what I own. I, I was going to talk about the true speculation going on, JC, because we brought it up here over the last few months. Solana, we, we talked about it in the 20s, now 70. Uh, I think I brought up Helium. Uh, again, I don't own it. I own it indirectly, but I brought up Helium. Stock went from 60 to a buck, or the token went from 60 to a buck. We brought it up here the other day at like three, four bucks last week at three, four bucks. It's seven and a half JC. This was a, buck. Oh yeah. So, so for people following us, that's like a, a triple from when we brought it up a few weeks ago. Uh, I didn't recommend it. I'm just saying, look for, look. we did. <laughs> okay. You did, but, uh, I don't know where these things are. I just, We're okay, in. You're I in. Like I'm in it. I have no going say. All over the world. I have no say how much I own it. I own it through Multicoin and a couple other funds. But um, please don't chase, but look at that. Uh, and by the way, Helium really is an interesting product. I just Zoom out. Look at the chart I just put up. Zoom out. Yeah, zoom yeah. out a little bit. Wow. But if you really zoom out, you can see it was a $60. But yeah, yeah. I mean, listen, these things don't trade on technicals day to day, but there was a great technicals that set up there at, uh, in November when we started talking about two and a half, three and a half. Uh, oh, it's over eight now, JC. Yep. Holy. Okay. The last one I want no, to I talk about was, uh, it's okay. Uh, no, I think it, the, the last one I want to talk about was uh, render. I don't know if you can pull yep, that. R -N -D -R. This is one that this is the one being chirped about by my buddies. Um, again, I'm, I'm long only indirectly. I have no, no, no control over this. Render was like this idea that, uh, including like Axon could use this, where like you're outsourcing 
uh, all this compute for video, uh, you know, to nodes on the network. Uh, I'll share some videos in the in the footnotes and some discussions with MultiCoin. I really can't comment on it other than the price action and speculation. This thing uh, would not surprise me if it was a, a Solana type uh, move. Okay, because the people that were in Solana are in this deep. Okay. Yeah, they I've got never, some smart they, friends telling me the same thing, Lindsay. I don't know if they're smarter or dumber. They're saying the people that were in Solana were in Render. The people in Solana are feeling pretty good about themselves again. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, listen, the people that I I believe are in the know in this world are buying RNDR. They're playing right? the game. So, I think, I think we're getting the same data the from different yeah, yeah. people. I just hate to say smart down because we're just it's just price action and and, and I would say more informed in this space than you and I, I. totally How's that? How's yeah that? they're playing the game and they're playing it twenty four seven in the Discord rooms and in the chat rooms and and they're and they're playing with the toys right I can't comment on it because I don't play with the toys this and for me the chart is the toy here this could just explode. Okay, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it does because obviously I'm directionally, I assume I own this. Uh, the use case makes sense theoretically for movies, for TV, for storage, to compute of video. Um, wow. Is that a longer term chart, Riley? I mean, so this is, this is 20 cents. Yeah. Anyways, you can see that uh, this, this has a lot of potential okay so that that was my last the speculation is alive and well but the question yeah. that i want to pose here this throw up slide one here the question that i want to pose uh, not, not question but sort of uh to remind everybody the catalyst all along hasn't been the fed or the trump or the you know the inflation or whatever it's been it's been the dollar mm -hmm. when we have a weaker dollar stocks cryptocurrencies everybody's making money Right? When the dollar's strong, yeah. as you can see here, stocks stocks have been struggling. So the dollar's really weakened, uh, obviously. Um, the Polish Zloty, we talked about that. You know, bottoming out in early October, emerging market currencies rallying throughout most of October, you know, suggesting that that dollar strength was bullshit. Um, it was really just the, a weak euro really hiding uh, the, the weakness in the dollar. And ultimately, the, the, the rest of the, the, the dollar stuff uh, started strengthening, and you're seeing the dollar index getting the shit kicked out of it, and stocks absolutely in, in melt-up mode in that environment. So the question it becomes, you know, how long does this last? Are we getting frothy? You know, when do we start getting bearish? Like, all these things, the, the answer is in the dollar. Watch the dollar. And just yeah. like we do with some of the parts analysis in the stock market, and it's a market of stocks, and we count how many stocks are going up versus down, which is... Why we went pounding the table to buy stocks for 18 months successfully, I might add. Um, it's because the internals. So also in the dollar index, we also want to look at the internals, not just the euro, but the emerging market currencies that, by the way, are making new multi-year highs uh, as we speak. So how long does this bull market last for stocks? Well, it's all about the dollar. If the dollar continues to collapse, stocks keep ripping. That's it. Cool. How's this bull market treating you? Dude, it's great. Yeah. What's I'm, so great I'm about actually kind of loving the um, the super hawkish sentiment from yesterday. I mean, I liked your tweet that you put out. I think it was earlier this morning, though. Like, one day doesn't make a trend. Sure. Yeah, why do people Why do people think that one day makes a trend? Well, because they see scary red bars to the downside and they freak the fuck out. That's cool. 
I'm all That's for a great it. explanation. Yeah. I, I, you know, I think a lot about that stuff, sentiment volatility. Like, that's what I wanted to talk about today. So we're just getting at it. But people are emotionally labile. Like, that's the fancy word. We're all wrecks. We're like swinging, like one new fact. And it's like, oh, we're the happiest person in the world. Now, all of a sudden, we're like, oh, my God, everything's terrible. Everything's miserable. That emotional volatility, you see that during a bull run. People like knee jerk, get bearish. What do you think? This is an everything rally. Everything's working. European banks are making new 52-week highs. Throw up that first slide of the Dow Jones Industrial Average, world's most important stock market index, uh, making new all-time highs. Contrary to popular belief, the Dow is actually much more diversified than other indexes like the S&P or the NASDAQ. The Dow is the most sure. diversified of all of those from a sector to sector I mean, if you own Apple standpoint. in the index, you're diversified. It's like global. It's chips. It's It's... You know, media, but yeah, Apple's right. not even it's a big component of the Dow, right? No, but I'm saying it's so diversified on its own. So the biggest component of the Dow is what the highest price stock. Yep. So uh, United Healthcare, but in terms of just sectors, you're not loaded up in technology. You've got enough technology. You're not loaded up like you would be in something like uh, the S and P 500. That's 30 percent tack. The Nasdaq 100 is 50 percent tack. When you look at the Dow Jones Industrial Average, you're talking 19 percent tack. So, and now you're getting 14% industrials uh, as opposed to zero in, in the NASDAQ 100, for example. Um, you still got 13% consumer discretionary, 20% financials, 20% healthcare. Just from a sector to sector standpoint, you're just getting more diversification than you are in these other tech heavy indexes. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is making new all time highs. You know, one thing that, you know, I did when I was younger is that I used to ignore the Dow because I thought I was so cool because I was an institutional mm -hmm. guy and we followed the S&P and blah, blah, blah. I was an idiot. I was stupid. Um, the Dow is the most- I was an idiot. I was he an was idiot. He was a brown know nose, Lou. You hated him. I was a dummy. I was a dummy. And, um, you know, you don't, you don't want to you don't want to be a dummy. So you, yeah, you don't buy Papa Dow. Great. That's just prof. That's just prophetic. Don't be a dummy. It's so simple. Throw up the small cap, large cap ratio. I think this trend is here to stay. Um, I love this I don't chart. Think it peaked. It was like that false breakdown from fast moves come or from false moves come fast moves. Yeah, Lindsay. Someone's yeah. paying attention. That would, that could I, be the name of my new shoot 'em up ship. That's like, a Brian Shinoni uh, quote right there. Is that Shinoni? That's Shinoni. That's Shinoni. Bwap Shinoni. Shout out Shinoni. Shout out. Yeah, Bwap always sounded moves. dirty to me. Like that sounds a little dirty, right? Every time you say Bwap, my Lindsay gets a little bit. Uh, she, she gets dances. hot. Yeah, are you pinching your y-axis these days, Pearl Dog? Are you pinching it? Oh yeah, dude. Love that <laughs> shit. Are you kidding me? Dude, make sure right, you're pinching so, your uh, y-axis out there. Kids. I get up in the morning just to do a little pinching, uh, little pinchy pinchy. Okay. Uh, I mean, I think the squeeze is on. Small caps, absolutely ripping. You know, I think a lot of people were focused on the Russell 2000 and the fact that it wasn't doing much. But mm -hmm. small cap consumer discretionary, small cap industrial, small cap tech has been working all along. So mm -hmm. <clears throat> people telling you that small caps were not working, maybe their small caps weren't working. Throw up that uh, small cap uh, industrials up 52%, by the way. Small cap discretionaries up 47%. These, uh, these indexes are crushing uh, uh, all their benchmarks. And people are telling me that small caps aren't working. How can small caps not be working if the small cap industrial index is up 52%? Yeah, I, I want to give people another example that Riley and I and Phil, you'll love this one. 
uh, just to interrupt for a sec, pull up BLD, which again is $11 billion company, but was a $1 billion company. None of us yep. fucking know what this company does. Okay, and let me, let me explain something that we've been talking about in price and popularity. One of the things that Stocktwitch will do a better job of next year, Phil and I are working on, and Riley obviously is leading this, is we've always known about this high relative strength, right, JC? Like, relative strength matters. Context matters. You know, how things are doing in comparison to other things matters, right? And something that Stocktwitch created over 15, 16 years with the follower accounts is what's amazing is how the world does catch on to price relative strength but completely ignores the idea of like which company is doing best that no one's ever heard of which you know over time stocktwits has figured out here's a company bld no one knows what it does i think it's in the infrastructure place or it's, and in it's an engineering stock engineering stock so it's in infrastructure um 400 followers Okay, the stock's probably the best performing stock of the last six years. You know, again, it's, it's, it's gone sideways for a little while. But just, the, there is a lot out there with very simple techniques. And, and something Riley and I have talked about for a long time and built a, a list like this, JC, where we're matching the top relative strength stocks with the least popular uh, or least discovered social companies. And it works both ways but we prefer to use it this way. So here's the stock we discovered uh, um, a while ago that's on our list. So again, you don't have to fight against everybody on the Tesla stream. You don't have to fight everybody against everybody on the Apple stream. Um, there's companies out there, if you top down look at industries and, and figure out where the money is flowing, you can really narrow it down to one or two stocks that can really change your portfolio. But to your credit, Howie, you've always been a curator and you're a curator, you're a talent curator, content curator, looking for things that are smart and piggybacking. And that's a, just a beautiful thing. There's people out there that are experts in certain things. And I think we've learned over time that in the stock market, indexing kind of works because because there's, there's so many experts doing it. But on these fringe case scenarios, like where JC works with, uh, I call it, uh, chart art or, or Phil, where you work with behavioral knowledge. There are people that just don't have enough expertise in these areas and don't apply enough where there's edge. And so, you know, if we can teach that to people watching this show, that's kind of the goal. I like to just love talking about this stuff. Like I take no credit for my knowledge because it's through, you know, Josh Brown introduced me to JC. I met Phil on, on Fred Wilson's blog. We met Riley through JC at, at one of the conferences in Colorado. Um, we're, 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 what do you call it? We're, uh, mutts. We're financial mutts. Oh, I you know. And in that, that regard, in that regard too, I just want to say one thing. We were talking about that BLD before and how incredibly, you know, how, how, how well that thing has outperformed for so long and that so many small cap gems out there. And, you know, you go back 20 years, I mean, 20 years ago, I was running money and we were looking for. Uh, uh, stock, small cap stocks with earnings momentum. And we needed to have fact set and we were paying 10, 12 grand a month for fact set feed. And we had like some crazy quant who we were paying like crazy too. And he was helping us find these companies that had, you know, certain patterns of standardized unexpected earnings and certain 
you know, Piotrowski, high Piotrowski scores. And uh, we had to pay so much. We were paying 25, 30 grand a, grand a month just to find these, these companies. Now, you know, you have StockTwits, you have um, Coifin, and you have a couple other tool, tools that are, you know, cheap subscriptions or free on the internet. And you, you have JC's list. And you could find these companies that are doing extraordinary things. It's not, it's not just for the big boys anymore. There is. Well, I, I will say this too because I get I get really mad at people, and I shouldn't because we're not traffic whores. We've never figured out. Tra- JC is pretty good at traffic. Josh is pretty good at traffic. Uh, mainly says you put in the time. I'm I'm the probably the biggest underachiever in traffic, mainly because I'm enjoying this. I don't like promoting it. I like doing the show, but. Dollar for dollar, if I look through this first year, like the four, the alpha that we've created is bananas. And this goes to high relative price strength and low social following. Don't rush to the YouTube channels that have, especially financial channels that have all the followers, CNBC, all in podcasts. It's just like rushing into the Tesla stream after everybody's already in there. You find alpha by finding things that don't have followings yet right? That are talking about the things that actually add value to things. So, you know, people go to the top 10 podcasts and go, oh, that's what I should listen to. You know, try that. It just doesn't work. One other, one other trend I want to catch up on is my fashionology trend and luxury before we go. It's end of the year. You know, it was a great year for the degenerate economy. It was a great year for fashionology, Apple and Lulu, um, all-time highs, uh, I think they're the, and you know, LVMH has pulled back a little bit, but I don't think they're a technology company yet. They will eventually figure that out. But the poster children of, of fashionology, um, Apple Lulu, I think Nike is kind of coming out of its doldrums. Not so much a tech company as a fashion company. Um, I mean, what a year. People, you know, and then with respect to luxury, um, Riley, you had a thought about this as you saw LVMH and, and get passed by Novo Nordisk, right? So we've got—I uh, don't know what your thesis was there, but you were making a kind of a joke about it. Do you remember? Uh, but Novo—I don't. Okay, so Novo passed it in in valuation, passed LVMH, which you know uh, reveals the truth that I discovered long ago that being physically hot matters more than fashion. That's pretty funny. So someone else said that. All right, I'm out of ideas. JC, anything else? I mean, we could do this all day. True, true. Wait, I just want to say one thing. By the way, just hanging out with you guys, it's like the idea generation going on here. I mean, we're goofing around all the time. We can't get our freaking uh, technology together half the time. Uh, but the idea generation that's going on here, and I see it week after week, if you're watching this, you're getting like seriously good uh, good ideas that you can then go research yourself.